Hey everyone, welcome to Game Face episode 156 on Sifted Games at sifted.net. I want to kick things off with an apology. Obviously the show is a little bit later this week. Uh, we usually record on Tuesdays and stream on Tuesdays. My birthday was on Tuesday, so I decided to take the day off, but I didn't really. I still ended up working a little bit, but I did spend some extra time playing games, and we're going to talk about some of that stuff on today's show. So we have a lot more topics than we've had in the last few weeks, so I don't want to spend too much time on the intro. Uh, just a quick mention for those of you watching on YouTube, if you could please uh, subscribe to us via Twitch Prime. The instructions are down in the description. Or if you're feeling especially generous, you can go to our Patreon and kick us a few bucks a month at patreon.com slash sifted. So shows have been a little light in topics over the mm -hmm. last couple weeks, but uh, Big a lot games, but not yeah. a lot else. Yep, and I'm sure the couple extra days that we have for this episode probably helps mm -hmm. a little bit, but we have a ton of topics, so we're gonna kick straight to it and get right to the good stuff. Uh, we're gonna start off with Kingdom Hearts 3. We talked about it last week, although Matt and I had not played a ton of the game. Mm -hmm. Both of us were five, six-ish hours into it. Um, people were wondering, and people have been asking me if I continued playing the game. I have. <laughs> I have continued playing Kingdom Hearts 3. And I have to say, I like it. Mm -hmm. I like it. I think it is a, an extremely bloated game. I'm still skipping the cutscenes. Well, no, I'm not completely skipping them. Generally, what I've found with the game is you can watch the first 20 or 30 seconds of each cutscene and know mm -hmm. what's happening. And you don't have to watch all the drivel that comes after that. Right. And generally, the drivel is driven by the characters that come from Square Enix. Mm -hmm. The Disney stuff, I'm okay with. Like, nothing stops the Disney World stuff cold, like when the Organization 13 people show up. Yeah. And it's, start it's babbling like, about it's crap. It's Disney fun, goofy, all this, like chits and and, glad and then some dude shows up in a hood mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like what the hell is and then they start talking about this drivel and i'm just like i just skip it so i still know what's going on but getting back to what i was saying about the game being bloated the cinematics are bloated badly but the game itself is mm -hmm. also very bloated it's also interesting that like i find the different worlds are varying levels of quality in terms of the dialogue editing and production value like like the pick, you know, the, last week I was talking about a lot about how like there's weird pauses and the yeah. Hercules stuff and like the, the cutscenes are really awkward and Sora acts weird because they're they're doing the weird anime behavior comedy stuff. Yeah, and like it's not so much in I mean like the, like the Toy Story world, it's all very well done. It's all very it's pretty much fine. And like I wonder if like individual, you know, Pixar groups or whoever have different say or veto power over the different sections. It's very of the game. possible because um, there's only like one or two things in the Toy Story section where like. I was like, okay, that was clearly a, a, a line that made that makes that a Western character wouldn't say that's translated from Japanese, but whatever. Like we're you know we're we're already here. They made it work. Tom Hanks's brother is is doing his best. You know, <laughs> that's who that's who that is. It is, sounds is, a lot is, like is, him. Is, is his younger brother. Wow, it sounds um, a lot like him. Not all yeah. voices are carried out that well. Though. No, he's not. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like like he's not you know quite as good as Tom Hanks because Tom Hanks is Tom Hanks, but like. Tom Hanks' voice is so hard to get a sound alike for. I like can it's, see that. Because it's, it's kind of got a nasally Yeah, it, the, to it. Tom Hanks doesn't sound like anybody else except, apparently, his sibling. His brother, yeah, so, which makes sense. <laughs> so it makes sense, yeah. Um, so I think, like, I found that, like, world to world, the quality varies I'd agree with drastically, that. which is a very interesting thing, and I hope someone does a little behind-the-scenes questioning about that. Um, but overall, like, I like, I, you know, I like it. I, I do think it's bloated and kind of like it's full of the, one of the problems I've always had with Kingdom Hearts is that Disney worlds don't matter 
Yeah. Like they're just big. They're just filler. They're just a setting. Like, yeah. Like they're settings, and like even though it's the thing that I think most people are there for, like you could skip them all and not miss anything about the story. Really. Yeah. Like you know, every once in a while you get they're just props. As yeah. Characters. They're just there to kind of draw you in, um, and it's weird that they don't kind of you know matter as much there's and i think it's you see like in all those like kingdom hearts um you know story so far summary things that people have done because they have um, to because they have to because you know it's too obvious and i love that they're all like 40 minutes long you know it's just like like jim sterling cut his thing way down and then due to popular demand yesterday he released the entire audio of him reading the whole recap and it's like 37 minutes it's it's crazy i can't believe you read it all and even but, but the best one i think is um uh I think it's, uh, is it uh, Unraveled, the one that uh, that Brian uh, is it Brian Gilbert does for Polygon. Yeah, yeah he does that series where yeah. he, do, he dealt you know, he, did, he like read all the Skyrim books. He he put every Zelda game in a timeline. So he did a Kingdom Hearts uh, summary where he tries to fit it into the hero's journey, but it doesn't work, and he ends up having to put three different graphs together and all this shit. But he's like he goes down to like kind of the the, the sort of the general sort of adventure part in the bottom, and he's like all the Disney worlds are here. Like everything that happens in the middle, like like ninety percent of the game's playtime is right here. It doesn't matter, so we're not going to talk about them. It just goes, <laughs> and it's like absolutely true. Like all these t- recaps are like, and then you got all these Disney worlds, and at the end of that, you do this. It's like it's like right. none of the Disney World things matter. It's so weird to me that they are such like compartmentalized things, because because that's sort of like in a way, I guess that's the genius of the series. Is every time you make a new one, all you have to do is plug in new Disney properties into these yeah, little yeah. spaces and, and you don't gonna, have to worry gonna, and the outside stuff doesn't matter because you write it in, independently and it's it has gonna no, work no, no yeah, matter what it's no problem this game is really fun i have had so many amazing moments with this game um there was one part where i came i came into this carousel and i and i go in through the gateway and it's full of colored balls have you got right, you got yeah. to that part how awesome <laughs> Seriously, then you have to like dig through it to find treasure chests. Yeah, and stuff. yeah but fun. how awesome is that whole scenario where the balls are just going everywhere? All the physics mm-hmm. are working. It looks amazing. It never the frame rate never buckles. Like I walked in there and I saw those balls and I'm like, I wonder how much I can interact with these. And I started like whacking them with the keyblade and they started flying everywhere. I'm like, oh, I bet you if I run through this pile of balls, this engine's just gonna mm-hmm. crash. No, it just stayed steady. Yeah, the, that stuff seems to be the places I get. I get slow down or chugs t- tends to be <coughs> tends to be wide open. Open, so. yeah. If you turn the camera real fast, yeah. I've seen it like slow down a little bit. But the game is just so full of these moments that are just unbridled fun, and it actually, to me, ends up getting dragged down by the story and the characters mm-hmm. and the voice acting. And that's why the more I skip <clears throat> the cutscenes, the more I enjoy the game because <laughs> it just gets me back into playing it. And one thing I mentioned last week that I was concerned about because we hadn't played a ton of it yet was, okay, this is fun now, but can they sustain it? And they absolutely do. So the crazy attacks that you get where you hit triangle, they keep coming. New ones Mm -hmm. keep coming because every time you go to a new world, a couple characters from that world join your party, and then that brings up the opportunity for more of those kind of over-the-top attacks. Mm -hmm. Um, And like now that I'm really good at the game, you know, the battles are playing out way differently than they did before. I'm not hacking and slashing all the time anymore like it was before. I'm literally just triggering one crazy attack after another. And it's become more about managing those specials that you have and doing them in time and making sure you get to all of them before their timers run out, knowing how long it takes for each one to execute. So, okay, I know this one takes 
10 seconds. That'll give me plenty of time to trigger this one after that one finishes. And kind of the whole way the game plays has shifted for me the further I've gotten into the game. And now I have Keyblades that are leveled up almost all the way, and that changes a ton of stuff as far as having to waste your time just hacking stuff over and over. I'm having a ton of fun with this game. Again, as long as I keep skipping the cinematics. Yeah, it's funny that I'm I'm kind of the opposite where I've mostly stopped using the triangle triggered thing. Oh, just, really? Because I don't. Because the game is so easy, unbelievably anyway. <laughs> easy. <laughs> yeah. That like just you just whack X and you're there. And like, I mean, I'm not playing Kingdom Hearts just like a fucking Dark Souls challenge. Right. Kind of right. Thing. But uh, even uh, in terms of Kingdom Hearts normal, like this is astonishingly easy to me. And if you know, there's you know. I haven't played it on Proud. People have been playing on Proud. Say so that's also easy. Proud difficulty on Kingdom Hearts games tends to be a decent challenge, and then usually you have to wait for the final mix version to get critical, um, which is like the super hard mode. Right. So I have no doubt that that will happen. With there'll be a final mix update at some point for this series, this game. I'm sure. So, I, but I don't really mind that it's super. I mean, I'm playing. I'm not playing Kingdom Hearts to test my metal yeah, as, me a, as a gamer <laughs> or anything. Um, I don't think I would enjoy it as much if it was difficult. Yeah, it might get more annoying. I kind of way. like that it's just like this thing you just kind of mash your way through. And it knows. I mean, full it, it knows that like you know, it's it's got to be accessible to the, the the kid audience. You know, it's I mean, not that the kids are bad at video games or anything, but like you, you need to you need to have it there just to have, be able to have fun, whack things. I mean, this is my probably my favorite. Uh, uh, attraction Special or whatever attraction they call summon. Them. Yeah. I, think <laughs> I don't even know what they call them actually. It's like give me a crosshairs and I'm happy. Um, <laughs> Well, you know, I, I like it. I don't skip the cutscenes. I, you know, as, how do you do it? I don't know. I've been through the whole series. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm immune to this. It's garbage. just to me, it is torture. Well, because it's just nonsense. It is. Like, it's absolute babble. And like all the stuff about the hearts and this and I nobody and now he's this some. You know, I love that. Like the whole thing. Like is like okay, the heart go, come. You beat it. A, a guy loses his heart and the heart becomes a heartless. And the body the heart was in becomes a nobody. And then if you beat the nobody <laughs> and the heartless, you release the heart and the body and that you reform the original person. And that reformed person is called a somebody. <laughs> and I'm like, of course it is. you're in destiny levels of using normal words to mean specific gameplay lore things that like just, just come up with a weird word. Just come up with another term. I don't know. The other thing but, I like about this game is it, it's kind of a throwback it, almost to like the old 3D platformers where it has everything. It's like the kitchen sink approach. There's mm -hmm. like music and rhythm sections. There's yeah. mini games you have to play. There's first person shooting. There's riding on rails, like roller coasters and acrobat. There's yeah. Well, that's why I said, like, you know, back before when the collections came out, that, like, you, you know, Kingdom Hearts 2 is not far off this. Yeah. Like, in fact, Kingdom Hearts 2 is a little, has a little more God of War to it in terms of, like, because there's, like, QTE stuff in the... In the replace the, the triangle-driven, like, cinematic attacks with, like, more QTE-driven stuff, uh -huh. and that's pretty much how Kingdom Hearts 2 works. Okay. Um, and the, obviously the, the areas are smaller. But uh, it's about the same level of sort of like run around and do these like you know have these huge fights. Um, you know, obviously, there's more more enemies going on in this series in this game because you have a lot more space and a lot more power to work with. But like if you like this game, you'd probably like Kingdom Hearts too. Huh. It's, it's the closest. I tried Kingdom Hearts too. Kingdom Hearts two doesn't start as quickly. I mean, yeah, you gotta get through it about started real You gotta slow. get through about three hours of <laughs> nonsense in in uh, Traverse Town with Roxas. But once you get back to Sora. Um, and you get, get going to Disney World, it's all pretty good. And then, you know, the Pirates of the Caribbean level's pretty cool, and Tron's pretty cool. I mean, Tron is... I got a weakness for Tron in general, but, like... Me too. 
it's it, you know, if, if you like this this much, I would say go back and give Kingdom Hearts 2 another shot when you get a chance. Not that we ever have, have a chance. Have a lot of time to go back and play old stuff. Of <laughs> yeah, that it does not work again. out for us, unfortunately. Uh, this game is bittersweet to me because I feel like even if somebody like you or I was on this development team for a year and a half, I feel like we could have made this game literally near a game of the year contender. Mm-hmm. Because well, I, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are going to argue it is a game of the year contender. I would never. But I would, I would not, not. Well, I mean, it's really. early. So well, yeah, but I if all these other games end up sucking, sure. But yeah, if we get <laughs> if we get a pretty bad year. But really. you know, when you play a game of the year contender, at least I do. Yeah. Like after I finish it or I'm near the end, I'm like, oh yeah, this is like yeah. that bar. I mean, it's not my one of mine, but I could see other people considering it one. Just because if they if you love the series, it's sort of like it seems to have done the job. I haven't run into a, a whole lot of negative response. Uh, from the people I know who like Kingdom Hearts, I was I was actually a little surprised. I thought maybe they might react poorly to the fact that like it's really not much of an evolution in a lot of ways. But like I guess oh, it feels like a game be. from the PS2 era as far yeah. as its design is concerned. But I never play games like that anymore, so it's been kind of refreshing to go mm. back to that that design for a little bit. Um, I think I'm going to finish the game. I don't know how many worlds there are. Um, so you, I think you're you're at the beginning of Frozen. Yeah. I think there's two more. Okay, I'll, I'll make that. it then. I'll definitely make it's not it. Not that the 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 there's usually like Kingdom Hearts two has tons, except like at least more than that. But like the the idea on this one, according to Nomura, was um, fewer worlds but bigger. And that I mean, and they're all over the place too. Some worlds have taken me like two and a half, three hours to get mm-hmm. through. Uh, some worlds take me like an hour. Yeah. They're not like all the same. Like some of them are yeah, longer like the, than others. Yeah, like I felt the Toy Story one was pretty involved. Yeah, it was uh, long. Uh, whereas the Tangled one was over. Like that. Yeah, the Monsters, well, Inc. one I, was probably my least favorite. It was my favorite as far as the characters, and I thought they did the best job of the cinematics in that world. Mm-hmm. But that whole factory setting just ground me down after a while. Yeah, I was glad it, when it I finished. wasn't much to that. Uh, but, like, the Tangled... Tangled was kind of short, but I did think I do think they nailed the look of that movie in that world better than any other w- movie in this series history here's like, something funny that the a lot of this the mo like a lot of the screens in the tangled section could have come out of the film like it's really impressive i never even knew tangled was about rapunzel no <laughs> i've never watched it I, i've never seen that was it one of my first blu-ray purchases oh really blu-ray, blu-ray player i, I was like oh because that was the current like disney movie at the time and was like the one that would it was one of the things to look at to, to test your new plasma and so that's what i did i was surprised at how heady and mature some of the themes were in that mm-hmm. that chapter of the T- game well, tangled was sort of like there was like a murder in that yeah like tangled was um sort of there finally in after they moved away from uh hand-drawn animation which is unfortunate but that was sort of their attempt to do a pixar film from disney animation um, and they more or less pull it, it off. It was kind of dark. Know? Yeah. Was, that was probably so like... Is, so is Frozen in a lot of, yeah. in a lot of places. I, mean, I have seen Frozen. I'm aware of that. It's, uh, you know, there's, there's a, some betrayal and sort of sort of like some cautionary tales of like don't... Maybe you shouldn't trust the fairy tale conventions too much because that's how they get you kind uh, of thing. Interesting. Um, so yeah, it was, it, Tangle's a good movie, I thought. I, I did think it was funny that like uh, Mandy Moore voiced Eris in the, um, the original Kingdom Hearts and she was the voice of Rapunzel in Tangled, and then they couldn't get her back for this. Really? Because <laughs> she's too big now. Oh, like, right. They did get Zach Levi to be Flynn, uh-huh. but they, uh, but it's, it's, a, it's another person. I, I, the, the girl doing Tangled, doing uh, Rapunzel in Kingdom Hearts 3 is like, she has like three credits on her IMDb, and this is one of them. Like, wow. She, but she did a good job. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, there's, a, there's a couple of weird uh, uh, 
missing voices here and there. But, yeah. Uh, Overall, though, the voice work itself is okay. It's how it's implemented, I think, is the bigger issue. Yeah. yeah. The voicing itself is... It, you do, it, you it do still occasionally, especially in the, not the Disney World stuff, but the Between World stuff, you do sometimes run into the, the thing where, like, it just sounds like the actors have not read the script before. It sounds, yeah. like, it sounds like just someone just gave them new pages, and they're just like, oh, just go, we're hitting record, you know? And, uh, like, I don't... I, I can't get over Mickey's voice. Like I'm no, I Mickey. can't either. Because I made a big stink about that before we recorded last week, and you didn't yeah. seem too bothered by it, but well, it I bothered was, the crap out of me. Because I was used to it, because, like, that guy's just Mickey's game vo- video game voice. Has been for, like, eight years or something. And I guess I'm just used to it. But then after you said that, I started th- kept thinking about it every time he was in the game. And I'm like, yeah, it just doesn't... It's not... It's weird. You can it just tell it's some guy manipulating his voice to sound like Mickey Mouse. Yeah, well, I mean, everybody, nobody sounds like Mickey Mouse, but, like, there's a, there's a but way... But the guy who to... voiced him before, it didn't sound like it was a, an, a grown adult no, well, also the guy growing who, his voice. Well, also, there's, a, you know, there's somebody who does it for, like, the cartoons now and stuff, and yeah. he sounds much more like the traditional Mickey. This is... This just sounds like someone kind of trying to do a half-assed falsetto. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I just... I, I probably... Weird. I don't know if I would have noticed it if, like, you hadn't mentioned it, but, like, now it's like, yeah, it's not... And, like, the eyes don't quite yeah, work. I don't yeah, know what weird. the heck. It's weird that, like, the Mickey part of all things... It's Mickey Mouse! Is, feels like it's kind of, like, not quite there. It feels like it needs another pass. Yeah. But what, what I like about this game is you just never really know what's around the next corner. And, like, when mm. I'm playing games to talk about on Game Face or to write an eval for, like, I don't go out and watch YouTube videos or read other reviews. I try to stay pure and just play the game. So I have no idea what world is next. I have no idea what else is in store as far as gameplay variety is concerned. But this game keeps you on your toes. It's There's always something different coming around. It doesn't do a great job of explaining how to do a lot of that extra stuff. Mm-hmm. Like the cooking mini game, some of those were... Yeah, the cooking mini game really throws you in the deep end. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it, explains, it gives you a little tutorial screen, but then it's like... You move the stick one way, it's like, you failed. It's like, oh, hey. Yeah. Whoa. Like, <laughs> but, uh, but once you get a, your a handle on that stuff, like, it, it's just incredibly varied, incredibly polished, and most importantly, it is just fun. Like, all those special attacks that you get to pull off, they're all fun to use. And as you use them more, you learn how to get more effective with them as well because mm-hmm. you learn that, like, at the first part of the attack, like, what, what it's capable of and then how you need to use the finish of the attack. Um, and as, as I've gotten better at that stuff, the game has become more enjoyable. Um, it's just fun. And uh, I haven't played a game in a really long time that was just freaking fun. And there's just moment after moment in this that are just filled with wonder. Like, many times I finish a section of the game and I put the controller down and smile. And I have not done that with a game in a really long time. So it does have kind of that special sauce that a lot of games don't have. And uh, I never dreamed I would enjoy this game as much as I have. Hmm. I have been more than pleasantly surprised by it so yeah i mean i like it i i was hoping to that it would maybe push the envelope a little bit more in terms of level design and kind of game ideas in comparison to the previous games uh but you know just sort of more of the same with a with a you know power boost is also okay yeah um story makes no damn sense but it doesn't have to um, I don't, I'm not even consuming the story. I'm skipping yeah. it, and I'm enjoying. I mean, the this only game, downside so. of you skipping the story is it means you're not asking me questions about like why does this, and then I get to like go for ten <laughs> minutes about why that's true because because of this, 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 and this, and then you're like, that's not true. You made that up. I'm like no, I, I no really, it really is. But what happened. Matt, the thing about it is, is it is so obtuse and opaque that I would not even be able to ask you questions about it. <laughs> Seriously, like yeah. the verbiage that they use, I, I can't even remember it. 
It's like they're talking about yeah. all this stuff well, I have no recollection of. Well, then consider that four of the bad guys in this are the same person. Right. So, is, there you go. Is Xehanort <laughs> and young Xehanort <laughs> and Ansem, not Ansem the Wise. Ansem and Ansem the Wise are two different characters who are not related to each other. Yeah. And uh, Xemnas. Who, Xemnas, Ansem, young pretty boy Ansem, young Xehanort and Xehanort are all the same person who are using time travel because they don't have enough people they can count on to fill out the Organization 13 to create the dark shards to bring back the, the key, the key <laughs> blade. Not the key blade, key blade with the Greek letter key, which is actually pronounced Kai, right. but yeah. like they call it key. But so that's from all from Birth by Sleep. So um, so he, he starts using himself through time to time travel to get to get. So if you can't trust other people, you just go through time and get other versions of yourself because presumably you're not going to betray yourself. So that's why he's got so many versions of himself in this thing. And you just and, perfectly illustrated why I skipped. And the right cuts, there, why I skipped the cutscenes. <laughs> and that's that's all. I mean, that's just like the premise. Like you're not yeah. even into like what Kingdom Hearts three is about right. at that point. Yeah, um, I don't even care. I'm enjoying it without all that stuff. So I also enjoyed like there was a thing where or because some of the backstory on how the the Keyblade, Kai Blade works, the X Blade, whatever you want to call, it, how that works. You have to dig into that mobile game, uh, you know, uh, and like. When you load it, like they updated it so that when you load it up now, because if you're discovering the game because you're playing Kingdom Hearts 3, it says like, hey, welcome. Like the stuff that ties into Kingdom Hearts 3 starts at Story Quest like 264 or something like that. It's like, what? Like you, how? And it's like a mobile game. So like the quests are like, you know, one second long right. or whatever. It's like yeah. those stupid little things. And then you have to probably wait like five minutes. I haven't played it. You probably have to wait like five minutes for like your bar to recharge and you can do story quest number two you know right but like uh i love that like the relevant stuff is over 200 things <laughs> into this stupid mobile game it's just, it's just it's so emblematic of the series also i learned that i've been saying uh the 358 days games title wrong for years what is it apparently it's 358 days over two even though the, the, the logo is written as 358 over two days. Right, right. But the way it's presented, I guess, is 358 days over two. Whatever. You know what? I'm even enjoying the uh, gummy ship stuff. The now gummy... that I've upgraded my ship and learned how to like build it. Yeah, I still don't understand why that's in the series. Like, the gummy ship is a giant question mark to me from the very beginning of the series. But this, part, this one is at least kind of a serviceable... like fly around and blow stuff up in a slightly open area thing. I mean, it's like a shmup, basically. Yeah, well, it's better than, like, the old ones were, like, these annoying sort of, like, you know, shoot, shoot em up scrolling levels and, like, you know, you never, you know, it was just, like, like fighting, like, indeterminate, like, blobs of things. And, like, that's still sort of there, but at least you're flying through, like, areas and there's, like, well, now asteroids and things are blowing planet, up. And, you like, fight a boss before you land. Yeah, that does happen a lot. Um, and I've had I to, love, like, lose and then go back and tweak my I, ship and I love then that there's like, fight it again. There's, like, the treasure spheres you can get um those are like they're visual replicas of the map sphere from treasure planet oh wow which is a movie that just doesn't get referenced because yeah, it was the like biggest ever. bomb in the history of film for about two years yeah uh which i actually like treasure planet a lot that's an under, i've never un, watched it's it. an underrated disney movie um and i don't even like treasure island as a, as a story for the most part but i think that one was pretty good uh, but it lost something like $150 million. So you don't see it pop up too much. Yeah. And the fact that that was in there, I thought was really, really cool. Like some, someone, someone at Square threw some love to the, to the underdog on that one. This game illustrates why before you ever evaluate a game or review it, you have to finish the game. Because if you're if you ever are a reviews editor for a publication, you inevitably you'll get the question from somebody: Do they really need to finish it? They've played 
X number of hours. Yes, you absolutely do need to finish it because you never know if a game is going to improve as it goes on or at a certain moment there's something that changes, uh, like Titanfall 2 where it has like that one moment where it kind of flips the script on mm -hmm. everything. You just never know. So that's why you have to stick with it. You have to keep playing the games if you want to give evaluations or reviews that people can actually rely on. Um, and that's what I'm doing now. I'm going to finish this and then I'll write my eval. Uh, but very pleasantly surprised by Kingdom Hearts 3. I can't believe I'm enjoying it as much as I am. I never in a million years thought yeah, that I would. Turns out the secret is just to skip all the dumb shit. <laughs> Apparently it is. <laughs> and again, like I think somebody could come in there and clean this game up and make it like one of the best games ever. Yeah, I mean, it'd still be hard working with what you're working with, but there would pro there's probably you a way to clean up the cinematics. I mean, streamline everything, everything, make it just you know. There's, it, no matter what kind of nonsense you're spouting, if you if you say it with enough conviction, um, you can usually get away with just about anything. Yeah, and like that's true. The problem with a lot of the Kingdom Hearts like three like cutscenes in terms of like kind of the lore building is there's so much dead space between stuff. It gives you too much time to think about what was just said. Yeah. And you're like, that's not a thing. And then the response invariably has almost nothing to do with what was previously said. So it just continues to sort of steamroll to this point where you're like, eh, just get me to the next thing. Like, yeah. Like, that's pretty much how I feel yeah. about it. Just get me to the next gameplay section. Because I can't wait to see what it is. I can't wait to see how it incorporates the characters from this world. Mm -hmm. Um, I wish some of those party members would stick with you after you leave their world because some of the attacks that you get with them are some of the best in the game. Yeah, the one, one thing like that that did, did bug me was um, when uh, Rapunzel leaves the party because of the completion of the story mode, there's points in the, in, the, in the world where she uses her hair to swing across these gaps. Yeah, yeah. And if you're going back for the treasure chests and the and the, the Mickey emblems... Oh, how do you do it? Well, you have to come from the other side, and like by that point you have like a super jump that lets you sort of get past it from, uh, from the back. Like come, come, you go through it kind of backwards. Okay. But I didn't, like, I didn't, you know, doing the swinging and stuff the first time, I didn't understand how the level kind of fit together. Yeah. So it took a lot of trial and error. I just kept coming to like, wait, I can't swing, I can't glide. I mean, eventually... What am I, I going to do? Yeah. Eventually I think you get enough like jumping and gliding abilities that you could probably just hop across that gap however you want to do it. That's a big gap. But I like to finish them before I move on to the next thing. And I was like, so I just sort of figured out if I come back the other way. But there's like a certain point, where, like it's also kind of a problem where it's like, you never get to see that special attack again. Yeah. Because there's a special attack where they, she like, wraps you up and swings you around. That's and, what I'm they, talking about. Like, I wish you could, some of that stuff carried over. But at the yeah. same time, when I do get to that next world, I'm almost always yeah, there's pleasant. there's a new one there. There's a, and it's cool. Like, yeah, I, I'm really, really enjoying Kingdom Hearts 3. Never thought I would. So if any of you guys are out there and you're like me and you've not liked Kingdom Hearts forever and you're sitting on the fence on this game, I say take a leap. And I just think that you should be prepared to skip past some of the cinematics and things like that. But the core game itself is a ton of fun and definitely worth your money. Hmm. All right, let's move on. It's been a big week for Nintendo. Originally, when I got the rundown together for the show, I basically what I do is I just go through and I, I use Sifted, and I just sort the news by the week, and it shows you all the big stuff because it's all bubbles up to the top. And then I just grab all the topics and put them down, and then I start chopping and cutting stuff out. And so when I first created that initial list, I had like three topics for Nintendo. And I was like, oh, well, I don't really want to cut all these, so we'll just put them all together into one. So that's what we're going to do. Um, three big stories really broke about Nintendo. The first was that Nintendo lowered its target for the fiscal year for Switch hardware sales. We've talked about that a ton on the show. Pactor's talked about it. People have come after Pactor for it. People have come after us for it. Uh, we were right. Yep. Nintendo fell well short of its target. Um, they're at a little over 14 million right now worldwide for this fiscal year. 
My guess is they probably sell another million, million mm. and a half before over the next three months. And I've been saying 15, 16 million for like eight months. Yeah, because so. they'll sell probably a couple hundred thousand in Japan. Yeah. They'll sell probably 300,000 a month here in the U.S., so that gets you to like which one. is not like it's not like 15 million units is some kind of bad number. Oh, it's amazing! It's, it's, it's amazing. Huge. Nintendo has done incredible, and I think that's what's getting lost here in this Especially whole coming like, off of how far, who's right, know. who's wrong thing is no matter what Nintendo has done, yeah. you're two amazing. years off of the Wii U here, right? Like, it's that's incredible. a huge turnaround. Yeah, yeah. So Prost and Nintendo, and then you can't amazing. even even with that falling short of you know what was really a very optimistic prediction. Yeah. Like you're, you, it's, you still almost hit it. You still almost hit it, but you also well, it's, almost, it's ripping but... the software charts up on a yep. monthly basis. Like even if you're not, you didn't sell as many units as you want. You're selling software like crazy. So like that's where the real money is. With all that said, like I will say this: a couple people did come back on YouTube and admit they were wrong on Pactor Factor. They came hmm. in and left a comment and said, "I'm sorry. I left a comment on your show a couple months ago saying that you're this and you're that. You were right. I'm wrong." But there are hundreds of others that have right. yet to come back. But the fact that one person did, I was actually pretty impressed with it. Um, but a lot of the other folks are like moving the goalposts now. Right. Now it's now they're it's saying, sort of a, oh, they meant to do that, right? Right. <laughs> or they're saying, well, you know, that was such a lofty goal. We're like, well, yeah, well, yeah that's, that's why we insane. said they were going to hit it because it was an insane goal. That's exactly why we said they would never get there. But now, whatever. The fact of the matter is, Nintendo's doing great. The Switch is doing great. Um, it's awesome to see. Mm. Another thing that I should mention before we move on is I believe that we can run this stuff in our show without getting copyright strikes. Oh, did they change? No, their... it's okay, Sam. You can <laughs> run it. I, I loaded it in the TriCast because I started experimenting with Pactor Factor. I started putting clips in Pactor Factor that had drawn flags before to mm. see if they would draw flags again because of their change. Because I can upload things. it once for Sifted and for our Patreon. And then I'll get those flags. They'll still let it run. Usually they won't shut it down. And then I can make edits for the YouTube version so we can still mm. monetize that version. So I figured, what the heck? I'll put these clips in Pactor Factor and I'll see if they throw up flags. They didn't. So it appears that Nintendo has rescinded all the copyright stuff on its trailers. Hallelujah. It makes our life so much easier. So any of you guys who create content for YouTube or anywhere else. Um, it appears that all Nintendo's trailers now are fair game to use in your content. Just a note there. Hmm. It'll make our show better. Because before, the only time we could run anything for Nintendo footage was gameplay that we captured. And even that sometimes would throw flags. Yeah, somehow. So it appears that Nintendo's new stance towards YouTube actually has made a difference, and it'll make our show better and everyone's shows better across the board. But anyway, let's get back to what we want to talk about. So. Nintendo's doing great. 14 and a half million sold in a year. Incredible. They'll probably get around 15 and a half, 16, my guess is, before it's mm -hmm. all said and done. Doing incredible. Looking ahead to this year, it, it appears that there's going to be a big game. I just realized yesterday, what happened to Shin Megami Tensei? What? Where is it? You mean four? Yeah, for Switch. Uh, I don't know. Maybe this year in Japan. People have completely forgotten about it. That was a launch announcement. Yeah. And it's I, still, we haven't even really seen well, anything for it in no. like... Well, they've talked a little bit where I, uh, it's, I think they're maybe late this year, Japan, but like there hasn't been any kind of weird, any kind of confirmation. The other thing is like, it's not a Persona game and the Persona kind of sub-brand of Shin Megami Tensei is by far the most popular oh, yeah, part sure. of it. Yeah. So like, I don't know if like the huge demand is there for that. I'm sure it will sell well whenever it does make it, but like, 
I don't see a lot of hype for that in part because Persona is the sub-brand that sort of like pulls in the uh, the people who are in there for the character. Because you know, the Shin Megami Tensei games are more just sort of straight dungeon crawlers. Yep. Um, and I see a lot more people talking about will we get like, you know, a Persona 5 uh, Ultimate port or something or... Maybe even a port... That's definitely possible, because they released it for PS3. Yeah, maybe even a port of uh, uh, Persona 3, the PSP version. Yeah. Um, which I think would be a pretty good choice, because like bringing that game... I think it'd be a pretty good choice to bring all the Persona... Persona 3 and 4 uh, forward from the Sony handhelds to the Switch, just to make sure that they don't get kind of lost into history, you know? Because, yeah. like... I feel like if you put them on the Nintendo system, they'll have an opportunity to sort of move forward <laughs> in, in the generation. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. really, for sure. I mean, just in terms of a preservation point of view, like, I'd rather have these things sort of establish some sort of foothold on a Nintendo mainstream system rather than these Sony handhelds that are going to continually, like, sort of vanish into the ether, especially as those systems break down. Yeah. Um, so I, I would like, I would think, uh, I, mean, I don't know if Atlas is into that or anything, but I think it would be pretty cool to see, you know, uh, Persona 3 Portable and Persona 4 Golden and maybe a PS5 Ultimate version all come to the Switch over the course. I would not be shocked. And you put, put that stuff on there, no one's going to question anything about Shin Megami Tensei 4 because they, they're happy. It's still so. weird, though. Where is it? Like <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I mean, I probably would have, when they first showed that, that first Direct, I probably would have thought we'd see that before that Travis Strikes Again yeah, game. Yeah, absolutely. the Travis Strikes Again game, it sounded like it wasn't even started. But oh, there's been are. tons of games that have been announced and released since yeah. we first saw that teaser trailer. The Fire Emblem. Yeah. Yeah, it, you know, yeah it's going to come, too. So. I mean... I don't know. I, I would be surprised if we didn't hear something about Shin Megami Tensei 4 this year. Yep. So now we've patted Nintendo on the back. Let's talk about some other stuff. Uh, there's been some confusing reports about a Switch hardware revision, which is something that Pactor has beat the drum on over and over again. Um, so Nintendo's president mm -hmm. said that, no, there's not going to be a revision. We're definitely not going to create a handheld-only version of the Switch. So we were like, okay, well... That's put to rest. And then literally, <laughs> no, literally three days later, Nikkei in Japan, Japan's most respected and trusted newspaper, reports that, oh, yeah, absolutely, mm. this revised Switch is coming. Yeah. That is handheld only and cheaper. So what do you, who do you think is right? And why would Nintendo's president pour water on that idea? Because they still got the remainder of the quarter to sell Switches yeah. to hit that target. Did you see the Nintendo today? I think in an, an attempt to get the push to that number is if you buy a Switch now, you get $35 in eShop mm -hmm. credit. And I have a feeling that that's one of Nintendo's oh, yeah. attempts They're to try to They're still trying to hit, to hit that $17 million target. I mean, that was... The one their, that they just revised. That was their revised right, was, was right. 17 And I think that's still a little optimistic, but doable if they can get enough... Hype whipped up. Or it I needed just, something like this to do it. Yeah, and so, but like, you don't want to give away that there's another skew coming later in the year because people there's inevitably going to be some people who are like, oh, I'm just going to wait for that. Yeah. Um, and so I can see why they would want to, you know, not acknowledge any kind of new revision, <coughs> revision. But of course, Nikkei is not under any kind of. And it's almost always right. Yeah. If I mean, if Nikkei says it, I, I pretty much believe it. Yeah, I do too. Um, so we'll see. I mean, Nikkei was like. Coming soon, like yeah, this like, year, like like that that seemed like like because like I was thinking, oh, it could be like a fall thing, like right. something for like the holidays. That sounded more like, hey, this might be hitting like E three, like shadow time. drop yeah. type stuff. Yeah, yeah, which would be huge. Uh, Pactors said it better than I ever could, but that I mean that could just be a complete game changer. 
Mm-hmm. If you lower that barrier of entry, I think 150, no way. 200, probably not. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing like 225. Like best case, 225. Yeah. Probably 249 is probably. Just 50 bucks cheaper. Do you yeah. think that that incentivizes people though? 50 bucks is a lot to, to you know, the, you can be, a on, game. You, you be on a game and like if you have no interest in hooking it up to the TV and, you know, might be might be the push you need, especially if they continue some kind of like eShop credit thing with it. I mean... Because you know like the 2DS or whatever they call it is still like 150 bucks? Yeah. It, it, That's insane. You, well, the problem is that, and you saw this with the Vita as well, the pro, and, and the Wii U, is, is the problem is the touchscreen. Yeah. The touchscreens that they put in these things cost what they cost. Yeah. And so you don't get that price drop where you get to the point where like the PlayStation 1 can be sold for like 80 bucks, yeah. you know, after a rebate or whatever with the, you know, that final little t- little version of it. Yep. Like you don't hit a point where all the hardware just becomes super cheap because these touchscreens cost what they cost. Yeah. That's why is why the Wii U never dropped to any real, you know, you know, real fire sale levels. Because that that gamepad costs a lot to make, it and, does, and it yeah. never got really got any cheaper. So that's sort of a limiting factor to some of these things. Um, a lot of people have said, "Oh, there are games that you would not be able to play on the handheld version." There are like two of them. Yeah, there's a few, and they're games that were not gigantic sellers mm-hmm. and have huge audiences that would kind of cut those people off. It was like one two switch, which is terrible. And, and um, well, I mean, you could still. If, you, if, if, if they have the ability to remove the Joy-Cons, you could still play it, like, you know, sitting on the table. Do you think that this model would have the ability to remove the Joy-Cons, though? I would think so. Really? Yeah, I would think... I don't. I think it would just be... They'd just be built into the handheld. That would be an interesting... You're, you're cut... You're, see, the problem there isn't so much that, like, you're cutting out the, the, you know, tiny handful of games you can't play in handheld mode. The problem is that you're cutting out accessory sales revenue. Right. Selling extra Joy-Cons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and at know. eighty bucks a piece, yeah, that's no small chunk of change. Um, and like, would would you be able to use a pro controller with it? Like, you know, prop it up on probably. the probably. You would think it was still yeah, on Bluetooth. Think, I would think so. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't, like. I don't know what the what the moves you would make on that would be. I mean, would I miss the Joy Cons? No, really. I don't because I don't use them for stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't like, I don't like motion control stuff, so I just leave them on, you know, I, I, I would, I would leave them on if I ever used it in handheld mode. Let's Here's one way. thing though. If they did do sort of the solid state handheld version where the Joy-Cons are just built into it, you could have a, re- a normal D-pad. Yeah. Because the reason yeah. they don't have a D-pad is because the jo- the left Joy-Con is used as a separate controller yeah. and you need buttons for that. But if you made just a handheld only version... You could have a legit D-pad on the mm-hmm. left-hand side instead of those weird button things. Yeah. I mean, I would rather just buy a Joy-Con that has an actual D-pad. D-pad and I know it. there's third-party options, but I don't like... Uh, Nintendo-made stuff is always better. Yeah. Um, so I would absolutely buy... Because I never used that as a controller except like the brief time when I played, you know, Let's Go. Um, and I could use the other Joy-Con for that. Yeah. Or... Um, I could just hit a D-pad. I, you know, the other systems use D-pads as essentially as buttons all the time. Yeah, you know? they do. Yeah. I mean, you, even what's um, when you play uh, Ocarina. You know, originally a lot of the menu stuff was done with with the yep. the, the, the C buttons. Yeah. And now it's not. Yeah. So uh, it's um, you know using the D-pad as buttons is fine to me. I'd rather have the. D-pad. I hate it. <laughs> I fully admit I hate it. Well, if you're, if you're, it if just feels freaking weird. Right, but if it's not as like the main buttons, you use, I mean, I don't want to use it as jump for Super Mario Brothers, but like if it's just like navigating menus or 
you know, you know like camera controls or something. That's fine. You yeah, know? It's, I'm saying like controlling like 2D games with right. the four buttons instead of a D-pad. It's oh no, a that's, huge that's difference terrible. Right. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, I mean, it'd be interesting to see what they do with this. Usually, Nintendo's uh, hardware revisions uh, do have some kind of meaningful change that makes them appealing. Uh, certainly, I didn't think the new 3DS would be interesting to me, but then it was more powerful and it did the 3D better. So, yep. And not that I used the 3D gimmick for very long, but i got to say that the difference between the original 3DS and the new 3DS where it tracked your eyes for the 3D, huge. Oh, yeah. Huge quality difference. of life improvement if you cared about that. Yep. So, I don't know. Like, it couldn't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> like, more options is always good. Absolutely. Uh, and then the third big story uh, from Nintendo, and to me, this is the craziest of them all, from this week is that Microsoft has released a development kit for Xbox Live that makes it functional with Nintendo Switch. Hmm. And so it's a possibility, a possibility, that but when they say Xbox anywhere, they, they mean, mean it. anywhere. <laughs> and so what give me a percentage chance of uh, of that happening. I'll give it like a 30, 30%. Really? Chance. Yeah. 30%. I feel like uh, they're, you know, I think Microsoft is kind of hot to really spread this thing as this anywhere thing. They are, you know, they've renamed themselves Xbox Game Studios. Yeah. Um, yeah. As long as you're okay to have the Xbox branding on something, it sounds like they're willing to put the thing on your, on your platform. And they've already shown in the last year or so very little interest in directly competing with Nintendo. Like they clearly don't consider Nintendo to be their you know they're a threat they've worked with nintendo for years ever since i mean if you look even look back to when rare was first purchased by microsoft microsoft allowed rare to make games for nintendo handhelds and and like really like is there a better way to win over kind of the nintendo fan base if like we announce that that xbox anywhere is coming to xbox live's coming to switch and you can do this this and this with it oh and the same day that comes out banjo kazooie is going into smash brothers Right, that would be welcome ba- home. Ba bam, you know, absolutely, it's like, yeah. Like I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I'm saying if I ran Microsoft, if I if I wanted to do this, that would be that would be my goodwill, like my olive branch would be like, here's a character you've wanted in Smash Brothers forever, and an ex- you know, and here's this new service we're going to do. We're not like trying to replace anything. We're just. I mean, look, we're we looking. We want to offer an option. We're looking at Nintendo Online with voice the voice chat there right now. There mm. is no doubt. That Xbox Live would make the Switch platform yep. far better. Massive game changer. Massive game changer immediately. And Nintendo doesn't have to do it. It does the to great do part. It just has to let it happen. Yeah, it just hooks into the API yeah. and it just it works. And with all the with all the kind of like you know, not team up, but sort of like they've clearly been pretty in sync on like the crossplay stuff in the last year or so. Yeah. Like, I w- it wouldn't shock me to see that this business arrangement was happening behind the scenes. Or at the very least, that, that the subject had been a, had been seriously discussed. You say 30%, I say like 3% chance. Nintendo is too proud. If Nintendo was not too proud, it would have already worked with a partner on Nintendo Online. It, They've you, tried to, but they just picked the wrong partners. Who did they partner with? That other, that what, what was it called? It's the, it was a mobile company. Began with like an M. Niantic? No, I can't remember now. It, I think they went out of business. Not Netties. No, it was uh, it was it was like a mobile developer, and they did a bunch of online stuff for them. And now I can't remember what they're called. You're not thinking of DNA? Yes, DNA. Oh, 
But they didn't partner with them with for online. Yeah, they did. Did they? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. If I remember correctly, I remember thinking, because I remember thinking, like, I mean, I guess that's an interesting choice because they do it with all their mobile stuff, but, like, I don't know if they're going to adapt too well to a, making you some kind of console online environment. No, it definitely did, did not, not adapt well. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, and also, look, if I think maybe where it starts to get a little dicey is, okay, if Xbox Live is on Switch, and I'm sure they would rebrand it, it wouldn't, wouldn't be called Xbox Live. You'd know it was because, obviously, it'd be, like, night and day for Nintendo mm-hmm. Online. But then how do you... Yeah, so, I bet it would be like Nintendo Online powered by Xbox or something like maybe. that. Maybe. How do you work out the money for that? So right now Nintendo's charging $20 a year mm-hmm. for Nintendo Online. Obviously, if you have the functionality that Xbox Live has, you're going to be asking more. You're going to be asking 20 bucks a month at least. How does that money get split? A month? I don't know about that. I mean, yeah, you're, no, you're right. Like you would be charging like 50, 60 bucks a year. Like Xbox standard, Live and industry, PSN does. Industry yeah. standard. Right. So how do you split that money? I don't know. That's, how do you even that's say... That's probably the longest part of the discussion. It is, yeah. Think. And that's where I think things start to get muddy and where I think... It, Nintendo put, wants the money, but you're sort of, if you're Microsoft, you're just like, well... You're giving us some of that it, because we're right. helping you generate a ton of cash now yeah. that you weren't generating before. And you start thinking about, okay, well, what if game sales go up? from where, what they were on the eShop now that you're using Xbox Live? Mm-hmm. What if all of a sudden your game sales double because people can find stuff more easily and it's better filtered and all that stuff? How do you monetize that? How do you yep. figure out the dollar amount, the cut that Microsoft gets for that? You know, yeah. it, Well, then like, you're also sort of like over this weird barrel where, okay, now, so now it's time for the next Nintendo system, right? Right. Does, does, I, does Xbox do the, that for that too? It do you should. have to renegotiate <laughs> that deal? Does that mean you're beholden to Microsoft forever to yeah. get your online to work properly because you've never decided to make it a priority internally? And if there's like, a problem, who solves the yeah, problem? Yeah. Is when, it on Nintendo? Is it on Microsoft? And all this stuff adds up to me thinking there's no chance this ever happens. It's, uh, I, I think it's a pretty good idea, which is why I have my percentage relatively high for something that would be that kind of like shocking but like it's still relatively low in terms of percentage just because like i it'd be hard to see these two so different companies from like a not just like internationally speaking but just in terms of corporate culture Everything. and i, and I don't yeah. mean like japan america culture i mean even if these NOA. Were, even if these were two different companies <laughs> in the same country yeah. they are very different corporate cultures yeah, yeah. so have, having you know a functional communication between them can't I wouldn't want to have to set that meeting up. Let's yep. put it that way. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. But if they could get it to work, it would be it would it would be plugging one of the only really serious remaining holes in the switch the switch kind of landscape. It would be a symbiotic relationship. Yeah. Both sides would be something good out of it, and mm-hmm. it makes too much sense, which means it'll never happen. Yeah, and I mean <laughs> maybe even get to the point where you get a couple of like token classic Nintendo games on Xbox. Uh, that would be uh, crazy now or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's possible. You never know. But, but I think that the, these are just... It's, I'm surprised Microsoft did it, first of all. Mm. Um, it might have just been some kind of exploratory thing. You know, I'm we? wondering, too, if all the research with cross-platform play yeah. just made it easy, yeah. ultimately, for Microsoft to do it. Maybe it's just like... It might, even, it might have been something as simple and innocuous as like, hey, we, we're, while we were doing this, we figured you could do this. Why don't we show it to them? Yeah. And, it was, and Nintendo would be like, okay. Great. I would love <laughs> to have away. a Nintendo console with Xbox Live. Yeah. How awesome would that be? Voice That's chat. Better than what we Imagine got. Imagine voice chat. I don't know. I don't, I don't you remember. don't use it anyway. I don't remember the last time I used voice <laughs> chat, but 
It is a thing that you would think a system in the year of our Lord 2019 would have. <laughs> it certainly. Regardless of who makes it. Yeah. So there you go. Big Three big stories from Nintendo for the week. Let's move along. We're going to talk next briefly um, about Machinima. Some of you guys may not even know what Machinima is because maybe you're young and you weren't around when they were kind of a thing. But back in the late aughts, was it 20, 2008 or something like that, they Somewhere around showed there, up. yeah. Um, Machinima was the, to be perfectly honest with you, and one of the reasons we're talking about this is because Machinima is kind of one of the things that killed game trailers. So YouTube killed game trailers ultimately, but Machinima was YouTube gaming. Mm -hmm. It was the YouTube channel that everybody went to for gaming. And a lot of the people who used to come to game trailers to watch video game trailers stopped coming to game trailers for that and started going to Machinima for that. Mm -hmm. And we had like a a sordid history between each other because we caught them like stealing our content. Um, they were so brazen that they would take content of ours that had our watermark on it and then they would run it. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. And, uh, and we'd call YouTube and be like, hey, you, this channel is stealing our content, our, our watermark's on it. And then they would call Machinima and say, hey, knock it out. And then Machinima would call me hmm. and say, what are you doing? And I'm like, what do you mean what am I doing? You're stealing our content and you're making money off of it. And I had arguments with various heads of Machinima throughout the years where they were basically trying to say, look, man, I'm in a bad spot here. Our management is making us do this. You've known me for a long time. Can you help me out? I'm like, really? Hmm. You're telling me to put my company's future in jeopardy because we're bros? Like, so we had a history with Machinima that goes way back. And ultimately, if you look at it, they did outlast game trailers. Yeah. I mean, they lasted four or five years after Game Trailers has been yeah. gone now. So that lasted us too, because when when we, G4 expanded the gaming stuff in 2008, and Xplay went daily, and like the the website like tripled its you know its staff, and yeah. I mean, when that all went away a year later, uh, because of course it did, yeah. and they fire. I mean, I think Xplay's uh, show team was like 35, 34, 35 for that era. That's and, crazy. And they fired fully half of everyone. Um, Which got it down to the 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 team size that we had when I was yeah there. we were back to the way it was, um, and many of those people went straight to Machinima after yeah. that because Machinima was just getting started and kind of staffing up and figuring out what it was going to be. Um, I certainly did stuff for them when G four ended. I did a couple some odd jobs and almost got involved in a weird uh, long term thing that ended up being something I backed slowly away from, but. Um, it was there was a, th a weird thing about that company where like you sort of looked at the people running it were like what is, what is your end game exactly <laughs> like I don't really it, it's it, it changed identities so many times over the years it's been per it was purchased three times I believe yeah. and look I have had tons of friends work there oh yeah you Albert Iskander he used to work with mm -hmm. us at G4 a ton of people have Joel Rubin have worked yeah um, have worked there who I think was still there until they shut down maybe I, I, I saw him at the at their party at uh, E3 I think he was still there so I knew a lot of people who have gone through that company yeah. and I do not know a single person who ever had a good thing to say about it <laughs> no, not, not one not so much not one um Bruce Green and those guys all I don't think out. I know him they were they were uh they were like the most popular show on there for a while like like for a while, my friends, my friends, my our age who had kids, and those kids were getting like kind of the eight, nine, ten range, um, you know, years and years ago. Um, they thought I was cool because I knew Bruce Green and those guys yeah. from Machinima. Like they were the only thing they watched. Um, so uh, they they did they did have um, 
some cultural zeitgeist like credibility oh, yeah, absolutely. For, for quite a while. Yeah. Um, and the reason I wanted to bring this up, it's not to like say na 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 or anything like that. It's because I wanted to talk about MCNs or multi-channel networks, and that's what Machinima is mm-hmm. or was. And it's, it's what I think it's what it became and sort of settled on for the longest. I think it time. was the first MCN. To be honest yeah. with you. I think it was. I think it was the mm-hmm. first one. And what an MCN is, and, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because I know a lot of you guys have your own YouTube channels, you have your own Twitch channels, you're creating your own content, you're doing your own thing. And this is a cautionary tale. So ultimately what happened with Machinima was they're an MCN. And what an MCN does is it goes out and it tries to find small YouTube channels that have potential. And then you sign an agreement with Machinima or whatever the MCN is, and they take a cut of your money with the promise of, well, we're gigantic mm-hmm. and we're going to promote your stuff across our entire MCN. So Pactor Factor. And we get approached by MCNs all the time. So let's just take Pactor Factor as an example. Mm-hmm. Say an MCN approaches me and I actually say, okay, let's do it. What they would do is we would sign a deal. They would start taking a cut of all the ad revenue from Pactor Factor with the idea that they would start promoting Pactor Factor on all their other YouTube channels, mm. saying, and, "Hey, and simply through, you know, through through economy of scale, it would become bigger, and you'd right. make more money. We're going to take a cut of your money, benefit. but you're going to be making so much more than you were that you're not going to care about our cut. Mm-hmm. So what 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 really happens with MCNs though is they sign the deal, they get your traffic, and then they do nothing. Right. They never promote your content anywhere. You, your views rarely ever mm-hmm. go up. Wasn't this a similar problem with um, Maker? Yep, then, same deal. Yeah. And they deal in Defy. And they deal in volume. Defy, yeah. So their whole idea is that they have thousands of these YouTube channels. All of them are generating a few hundred dollars a month because they're not actually promoting them on their other channels. Mm-hmm. And they take a cut off of that. And when you have thousands and thousands of those channels, you don't care if you're growing it because it's just like, a, like an agent for like an actor or a music act or a DJ. Like I have a buddy who's a big agent for EDM DJs. He gets a 15% cut every gig they play. He has hundreds of guys all around the world every night making money, and he makes 15% off each one of those. He is a very, very wealthy man. And that is the whole concept behind the MCN channels. And... They're, it's a scam. It's a pyramid scam. And what happened with Machinima was they had gotten so far behind paying out their money mm. to all their MCN channels that they started basically doing what a lot of Ponzi schemes do. They start paying the old people with the new money. So they sign up new channels. They start getting more revenue from those channels. Mm-hmm. They owed money to the old channels they had, and they just started the shell game, shuffling the yeah. money. If you watched any of the Fire Festival documentaries, yes, perfect that example is, of exactly that is exactly what he was doing. It's throwing bad money after bad money, basically, just called, trying to stay on that. Robbing Peter wheel. to pay Paul. It, exactly. And Machinima was so shifty that it was intentionally setting up meetings on the days where all the money came in. So they could sit down with this company who maybe wanted to buy them or wanted to invest in them on the exact day that their financials looked amazing because Mm. it was the day before they had to pay out all that money out to their channels. And eventually it caught up to Machinima. And I think I knew it was over for Machinima when the last company that bought it decided it wasn't worth it to clear all its YouTube content. Mm. And then you're like, well, you're then like, what do yeah, you have? That, yeah, that was... You have nothing then. Also, this, and I think we talked about it um, 
in relation to uh, some other layoff thing that happened a couple weeks ago where I'm like, yeah, well, this is, this is the time where companies do that. You know, so you're in the run-up to the end of the fourth quarter. You're about to have your financial reports at the end of, at the end of March. And this is where you clear out what, what corporately what they would they would call dead wood. It's also you know remember we're a week out from the anniversary of game trailers getting shut yeah. down out yeah. of, out of what we thought was nowhere. Yeah. But clearly that was you know this is a bad quarter yeah. for <laughs> for anything, for, especially if you're in media. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's for whatever reason it is always like these next two months are when everything I saw, goes and down. I saw something. It was like with the BuzzFeed layoffs and the Machinima thing. 2,000 media jobs disappeared in the last week and a half. Wow. Like, two th- just gone. 2,000 jobs gone yeah. in that same space. And well, it sounds like Defy's doing really horribly as well. Like, it yeah. sounds like it Who may bought be them? Somebody's, I mean, Defy that, bought GT. Okay. And Defy so owns who, Escapist, I believe. Yep. Yeah. So who owns Defy? I think Defy is its own I thought someone entity. bought Defy. I don't know. I'm not aware of it. But maybe someone mm. in the chat can let us know. But anyway, the reason I brought up this topic, it wasn't to rub salt in the wound or anything like that. It was to let you guys know who were running YouTube channels, maybe you're making some waves on Twitch, do not ever sign with an MCN. It seems like a get-rich-quick scheme or an easy way to get your content out to a bigger audience, but that never happens with MCNs. <laughs> Defy is defunct, it turns out. It's defunct? According to the, the chat, the Defy doesn't exist anymore. They shut down a month ago. A month ago. There you go. <laughs> I thought they owned Escapist, though. I guess that can't be true, then. Something else owned that. Maybe it was the other company. Maybe they that sold like, that yeah. off to someone. Interesting. Vi- so the company that bought GT. Viacom. Viacom. Viacom owned a stake in Defy. A part so of it, That yeah. must be where some of that transferred. No, well, what happened was that's what Defy bought GT they, with. Yeah, because that was that merge. They thing. didn't actually give Viacom any money. They gave Viacom stock in Defy. Mm-hmm. And MCN... Bye bye. Good deal. But yeah. look, if you got if you're out there creating content, I know it's tough. It's tough for us even. But don't try to take the, the easy way out because all that's gonna happen is you're gonna lose thirty percent of your money of whatever it is that you're making, and it may not be that much, and you're not gonna make more. So steer clear of MCNs. Uh, let Machinima learn a lesson for all of us. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how like so many of those things seem to be all collapsing at the same time. Yeah, because like the gig this, is up. This is just that's about as far the way as it goes. Pyramid schemes, Ponzi schemes work. They only last for so long. It's like mm. those guys that uh, get elderly people to give them money to invest in some fund. Right. And the fund never exists. And they do the same thing. Stealing from Peter to pay Paul. And it's like, eventually, mm. it all comes crashing down. People it's go to the, prison. It's the ticket scam, which, the, which the fire Festival guy did. You know, he, he, you know, he's got tickets for Hamilton. How did you afford those? Well, he, he can't afford them. So he buys them and hands them out to people. But then he does the same deal with... Uh, you know, whatever the next hot Broadway show is, or the next concert, or the Taylor Swift concert, or whatever. Yep. And like, so the money he makes on the the, the the next thing, he's paying off the people he had to he take money before. from for the last thing, and it just never ends. It never ends. And eventually, yeah. you do something like the Fire Festival that's too big. Yep. Like it basically it, it it spirals completely out of control, and and you can't sort of like you know keep on that that balancing act, and it all comes apart, and you go to jail sometimes. Yep. So I mean, like, honestly, the idea of an MCN could work. If yeah, you it, is, people, it is a totally, I mean, that's basically what a network is, is. in television. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yep. it's just, there's rules in place that make sure that if you're making a sh- I mean, not, I mean, I guess not if you're on Fox. Because um, <laughs> I was going to say, like, there's rules that, it, it, that say they're going to put their best good faith effort to promote your show and make sure it's successful. But then I thought about Firefly. Yeah. And that wasn't really. <laughs> it was not the case. It's not really a thing that happens all the time <laughs> when you think about it. So, no, it, but it's, it's. 
it's a similar idea, but it seems to work better. Uh, then a lot of shows fail. Yeah, it's true. It's a high risk thing, and it's like it, you see it in in terms of TV and film production. It's a little more sensible because you're dealing with such astronomical sums of money just to get this stuff made. Yeah. But in terms of just approaching a YouTuber and saying like, "Hey, give me some of your money," and like. I'll make it better somehow in a nebulous way. No, that's not so much. Yep. I mean, it's, I know it's tempting to sort of like see that as your step up to the next level, but like, I feel like almost everyone who has joined one of those things can tell you their horror story about how not only that it didn't pay off, but then they got stuck. Yep. Yeah, because you get stuck in that contract yeah. with them. And th- those contracts have crazy small print in them. You're basically signing your yeah. life away. And they're counting that, you know... Uh, that you know, you're young, they're naive, you're young. You, you probably trusting. You probably didn't get a lawyer to look it over. Yep. Even if you did, maybe they aren't versed in that kind of... You know, entertainment law is different yeah, than... It you know, is, yep. uh, But basically, yeah, get counsel if you're going to do something like that. Make sure make sure the, t- Just the T's away. are crossed. But don't. <laughs> don't do it. There are no success stories of people signing up with MCNs. No. It just isn't. If you look at all the biggest YouTubers, they're not in an MCN. They're... They could start their own MCN, to be honest. PewDiePie could yeah. start his own PewDiePie MCN. PewDiePie or Ninja could definitely start something Absolutely. like that. And if they do it, maybe it's worth looking into. Mm. Until then, stay the hell away, though. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, I, I'm not saying that like PewDiePie or Ninja would, would intentionally run, but it's like, it feels like once you get that management structure in place, yeah. it just never, there's no, never any follow-up. Yeah. There's never any follow-through. Yeah, because the money keeps coming in, and they're like, yeah. well, we don't really need to make more. Yeah. And who cares? And we don't care if you do. It's not like you're, it's not like these people are going to stop making content because <laughs> right. it's their lifeblood. What they do. So. Yeah. All right, let's move on. It's We're not gonna, a nice world. It's really, really not. I mean, it's the real world. Yeah. <laughs> a lot true, of kid, true story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of people that play no, games are young, and lucky for them, they don't have to deal with the real world yet. So. Yeah. <laughs> but our audience mostly, if not 100% adults, and I know a lot of you guys are out there trying to do your thing and just want to send up a uh, flag of caution if that's the case. Uh, let's move. Smosh. That was one of the things I was trying to remember. Yeah. Remember, they, they were huge. They were so huge. They're and now still no one, big, I They're think. pretty big, but it's like, it's like I never hear people talk about them anymore. Yeah. It used to be like, Smosh was like the, the thing. You see Smosh, Smosh today, Smosh today, Smosh. And now yeah. it's just like, I haven't thought of them in so long that I forgot their name. It seems like they've been replaced by Rooster Teeth. Yeah. Now yeah. it seems, it well, seems to me of, Rooster Teeth is the big Rooster one. Teeth survived, and like yeah. a, some of the surviving machinima people, who a few machinima people who didn't get fired are being tr- like kind of shunted over to Rooster Teeth. There are a couple of folks there. at Rooster Teeth. Yeah, yeah. and uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, I mean, machinima for like the last year or so was trying to get into like actual like production work, scripted content, like you know, go off off the internet, like real real stuff. So. Um, I mean, doesn't just, make a ton of sense if you think about no, those but like I think I think the brand has always struggled for identity. Well, uh, yeah, because they so. were machinima, right? But they weren't really doing much making machinima. any machinima. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's what kind of started the whole thing. Yeah, like the red versus blue stuff was yeah. like a big part of it, but ultimately they were just another outlet covering tech. Yeah. And games. Well, because machinima is hard to make. It is. Yeah. Like that's a very difficult thing. How like, many times did we have senior producers have us try to do machinima? Yeah, and we just be like, "That's a terrible idea." Like just the sunk time on it, it, yeah. it doesn't end up, you know, making you it were the most successful with it. Yeah, with the splinter cell thing. Yep. Yeah, but the part of the reason was that like it was so easy. Like right. we didn't really have it to made do it. it easy, and the yeah. and the one of the things that made that kind of sunk that eventually was like we'd done the early splinter cell co op theater things were us, me and uh, Paul Bonanno, producer Paul Bonanno, playing splinter cell chaos theory and co op. And just seeing what happened, 
and then like coming up with funny stuff while we were doing it. And then like when, when we got it done, he'd go through the footage and then he'd write like more the of a script because he knew what had happened and what, what, what th- the old quirks had happened when we got killed and when the things happened. And he would just sort of like string it all together into a script. And then we just sort of like do it. Yeah. And then later when they started trying to like, you know, we'd, we'd gotten a certain number in that didn't work anymore. We'd done all the maps. We'd done everything there was to do. And so we started trying, we had to c- keep coming up with like new situations or new ways to add things in. We started popping in live actors and it's just, it just kind of spiraled into this thing that wasn't what it was anymore. Are those on YouTube? You can find most of them on YouTube. You should yeah. go check these out, man. Matt, Matt, and Paul, another good friend of yeah, ours. Paul, Paul was the. Uh, they were Bob and writer. Steve, right? Bob and Steve, yeah. And what are they? What would they search for on YouTube to find them? Splinter Cell Co-op or Bob and Steve, usually. Um, you'll, you'll find them. Like, there's usually compilations They're really or something. Funny. They're not that hard to find. <laughs> Ubisoft loved them. Like, they I were, bet they were. They thought that was great. Well, that's what they were looking for back then. And I was, I was Steve, and Jason Chung was Bob. Yep. And. Uh, Paul Paul produced everything, and uh, it was really. T- I mean, it took him weeks to do each one. They were they were you can very tell, intensive. They paid off, but really some good. of that stuff. I mean, we we improvised a fair amount of it in the booth, but like a lot of it was Paul just writing stuff, and we're and it was easy. We just you just read it and you're done. Check them out. They're really fun. my one of my favorite things someone did was they took one of the 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 the, the Grabnar the Wanderer. Uh, thing where uh where bob decides he's going to be called thorax the impaler and they took the audio and they put it over full metal alchemist footage and it totally worked (laughs) like it just absolutely fit like it was i don't know much about full metal alchemist but i guess like one of the the, one of the characters is constantly sort of put upon and the other guy was like this fancy like leader guy and like it just all fit it was very good and it got pulled down of course for like copyright strike or whatever but for for a while it was it was wonderful Yep, check it out. Find it on YouTube. It's worth it. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Anthem. So Matt talked about Anthem last week. I had mm-hmm. not got a chance to play it. I was not one of the lucky ones in the early beta. However, now I you feel You were like, a lucky one who still had 60 right. bucks in your pocket. Well, no. I think I'm the lucky one because I played it this past weekend, and all the problems you talked about are gone. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I loved Anthem. I loved it. I loved it. I played it. All weekend, I played everything. You I play played on PS4. Yeah, I played all the single player stuff that you could play. So I played all the missions. I played all the free roam stuff, and I played the raid all the way to the end. I literally squeezed that demo for everything it had, and I had a blast. Hmm. I, I love wonder, it. I wonder if because you're playing at 1080p, I wonder if it runs better because it's possible downsampling. It look it uh, it did slow down a couple times. So there was one. One, like a lot of games like this, one of the mission objectives that you get fairly frequently is like a horde mode. Mm-hmm. Like it's defend this point or whatever. Yeah. And there were... I actually like those. I do too. And there were a couple of those where literally the game just <laughs> poured enemies in mm-hmm. and they were coming up a ramp, literally like 30 enemies coming up a ramp at once and all four of us were just laying into... And there was just mm-hmm. guts and stuff going everywhere and it did slow down a little bit there. But otherwise, it played great. Now, the hub area, still bad frame mm-hmm. rate. It still runs like it seems like it's stuttering from like 20 to 30. I don't know if they're going to get that fixed or not for launch. Yeah, I don't. I feel like you don't need it fixed that much. I mean, it's got to be fairly low priority just in the sense that like you can still play it. 
Like, you're not going to die in the hub because the frame rate's bad. Yeah, yeah, well, you can't die there anyway because yeah. there's, there's no combat or yeah. anything. Yeah, it's just like, it's just sort of annoying that it's like that. But, like, you know, you got gameplay stuff to deal with first. You had said, too, that, like, that hub world was empty. And what I discovered is that it depends on the time of day. In the nighttime, you're right. There's just kind of a few stragglers hanging around. But if you go through there in the daytime, it's just like the trailer. It's full mm. of people, like, milling around, like, doing stuff or whatever. Oddly enough... What I liked least about what I played of the beta was the writing and the plot. Hmm. The plot, did you play any of that stuff? I played the stuff with the the artifact and you bring it back and it splits the scientist guy into three people and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. I thought that was fine. That was fun. I don't know. I, I did not enjoy that. I enjoyed... I liked that it didn't take itself super seriously. Where yeah, like, yeah. Like, there was like inside jokes and it does kind of laugh at itself. In like I felt place. like it would maybe hold more more narrative weight if I'd been through this whole story with these other characters already. Because you're very clearly coming in in the middle of things. Yeah. Um, and like there's a lot of stuff about the world where I'm like, wait, what's that about? Okay, yeah. whatever. Um, I just sort of, sort of tried to bleep over that in my mind, just and assume, like, you know, kind of look at it as, as assuming I knew about what I was having questions about. Well, there's but the I one part you, you do make a decision. Did you get to that with the bartender? Yeah. It was, I mean, you know, I don't know. Like, it's not the most compelling thing in the world, but it's better than anything I did story wise in Destiny when it came out. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's my point. I, I like this better than any other game of the service. Hmm. Um, I so, do not like playing it like shooting things in this versus destiny i like destiny better and i'm not a huge fan of games as a service in general so don't think that this is like oh anthem's going to be shane's game of the year or anything like that i'm not a huge destiny player i'm not a guy who sticks around and plays these gas or whatever you want to call them for months and months after they come out um i play them through once through all the Mm -hmm. campaign content and then I'll go in and play multiplayer for a little bit after yeah, that. Just to see it. Right. And, yeah. Well, now there's no multiplayer in this. So. Right. But Just the raids. But it, just as far as playing the game, I had way more fun with The flying makes a huge difference. I got so good at flying in this game. Like, it just... You don't, you don't have to tell you how to do it either. It's so intuitive. Like, you're like, wait a minute. I think I should probably click the stick. The hu- Oh, it does. When I click the stick, I hover. I got to where I could fly around in this game, like, through tree limbs and, like, just land right on a dime exactly where I wanted to. I, it, the game, to me, just feels amazing to play. The guns all felt great. Um, the action in this game, there's no downtime. Like, they just keep, and I think a big part of it is because you can fly. So you can cover huge mm. amounts of territory in a very short period of time. And yeah, they, I, never, I never felt like it was wasting my... T- except for that one boss battle that took 40 minutes. Yeah. But in terms of like transitioning through a full mission or whatever, or expedition, I guess they're called, um, I never felt like I was... Like, I, the flying does definitely make it less... You know, Destiny has those periods where you're just, you're just running. running. Yep. You're just running across things. Yep. You're just running. And this one is like, oh, I'm just going to... I'm just going to Iron Man my way over this mountain and land And it's so much fun. Fire. Yeah. Like, in, in, like, you get so good at it that you... I, I was flying through, like, these narrow caves at, like, yeah. 200 was, miles an hour. I was like, definitely thinking, like, I, I look forward to, like, the full version. That was one of the things... Like, there's a couple full version look forward. One was the narrative, and the other is... I look forward to the full version where I can try to trick my suit out to uh, have more um, boost time so I can yeah. fly more. I like, was I, Maybe it was the character that I chose or whatever. I never really had a problem with that. Like, it would run out every once in a mm. crazy while. You can fly, like, a mile before it, like, dies. The standard Ranger I was using did not fly that far. It, really? It ran out pretty fast if I wasn't using the cooling trick. Um, 
but I'm sure I got the storm can fly for for longer. I mean, I'm sure there's there's different suits for different different needs. Um, I don't know. I mean, I the I I still wasn't super. I mean, my most of my complaints were performance related. I didn't get to play this this weekend's beta, so yeah. but you can see it's how that. well it's running. I mean, it's this... Run, this runs a lot better what I'm seeing here than it did on my Xbox One X, which is ridiculous. But, that is um, ridiculous. Yeah. And the worst thing is that on the X, there's no way to force a lower resolution like on the PlayStation. Right. Yep. Um, so hopefully they get you know they get their act together on that to some degree. But I do like in general. I don't think it feels that great to play in terms of the gunplay and stuff uh, in comparison to something like Destiny. I do say I'd say it's on par with like the Division, um, which I also liked. I mean I also like the Division. Uh, the thing I like best about Anthem's combat and the way they set up the encounters is they were constantly forcing me to use all of my weapons, yeah, all of my abilities and all my weapons. Because you basically have three that yeah. you. That you ha- you have two special weapons and yeah, you, you have your blaster. Two, you have two standard weapons and you have, um, I mean, basically you have like a missile launch and you have a a grenade yep. in the standard ranger suit. Yep. Uh, which shifts to more like you know like the storm is more like a magic thing, so you have like you know area of effects. That but basically, like you can't just run through and shoot everything with your 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 default machine gun and only use the missiles or whatever when like a, an enemy when like a big enemy comes along. You are constantly using all your abilities to sort of like break through people's shields yeah. or break through armor of this or this type of this thing or like the, those guys have grouped together so I should fire off like a, a mortar just to like make sure that they you know because because otherwise you're going to be wasting too much ammo and they don't drop ammo often enough you can't guarantee they're going to drop ammo off enough that you can just rely on, on your handheld weapon so like, no you're right the ammo is kind of a thing in this yeah. game and so I do. Like so you I do have to like pick that. it up and like yes. there are some battles where you're like you got one sliver of health left and you're you're flying your ass over to the oh, other yeah. side of the battle trying to grab that one little health thing oh, that's sitting on me. the ground. If, if you'd seen my 40-minute my boss battle, it was... I mean, it's a testament to, the, to it that I didn't die in that. You know, I, yeah. sur- I survived, and it came close a few times, but I was always able to pull it around. Was it the raid? Is that what you did? No, it was it was in the single-player stuff fairly early huh. on. It was like... Um, like you do one of those missions where you're supposed to get like you know in the caves with the 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 the, the rebel thing. Is this or is this the boss you're talking about? No, it was out on a on like a um, like a plateau. It was a giant like four legged uh, mech walker thing. Oh yeah, yeah. That battle's tough. Even with four <clears throat> people, it's tough. Yeah. So that, that took me like forty minutes, fifty minutes, solo. Because um, I it, could see that it didn't it didn't <laughs> like it didn't downgrade it for a solo player. Cause I was still fighting like. 15 enemies at once and uh and i got there so i guess you know props to the, the game for you know giving me the tools to do that um even though it wasn't much fun um but i i think i was in something where like i didn't run into the the networking problems where like i couldn't play the game yeah but i feel like i must have had a thing where like people couldn't join me because i never uh, saw any more people join me i just love how this game just flows and again a lot of it is to do with the flying and the fact that they show you where the enemies are so mm-hmm. you finish a battle jump up fly into the air and just keep an eye on the ground for those for the blue icons yeah, the to last pop up. few and then you just swoop down and land and boom you are right in the combat like right away the enemies recognize you immediately mm. they're not like dead ai they're like they're ready they're prepared like as soon as you land that battle is set off like i just love the flow of this game i love being able to fly it just changes so many things about this subgenre that have turned me off in the past mm. there's no downtime um, the people I've been playing with have been amazing. Everyone's been working together, which, which is shocking. Yeah. Um, 
the I love the combos. It, it encourages you to make sure when you when you party up with people that you have different disciplines and different weapons in your class because you can combo with those people. Um, and the more you play with someone, the more you start to realize, you know, just the the possibilities of that stuff. I I'm really shocked that so many people were down on it. Like I understand bad frame rates and stuff like that on week one. It's a it's a downer. It's a Debbie yeah. downer. Well, I also think if you've played more of the games as a service stuff than you have, you've already seen a lot of this already. It's not, it doesn't differentiate itself from that too much. And it's more like leaning on the fact that, you know, I'm a big fan of mechs and missiles, I guess. Um, I just don't think it stands out very much, but I sure hope for the sake of my fantasy team that the people reviewing this are more <laughs> in your mindset than mine. But I, look, I thought the enemy variety in this is way better than other games as a service is it yeah i felt like i was fighting different enemies all the time i don't i don't know what you're talking about like i i, I remember about four different types like you see more than that in the last two minutes of footage on this on soldier the guy screen. grenade guy uh big guy i, <laughs> I think you, like, think you're generalizing it a little i bit. am generalizing but it's only <laughs> it, it, i mean you can only split hairs so much on these things i just don't think i i think that's a fine distinction and i just didn't see it maybe i'll see it more if i start from the beginning I played a lot um, of it. Maybe that's part of it. I literally got hooked on this game and didn't want to stop. So, I didn't have a problem not picking it up again. That's that's my main worry about it. Is I you know Destiny would pull me back in over and over again, and when when the time came, I mean I didn't have a lot of time on the weekend, but like when I did have some time, it did not occur to me to put to start this up. I also liked that uh, the enemies aren't all bullet sponges. They may seem like it at first when you're just using your generic blaster. Mm -hmm. When you start mixing in the other weapons, you're not like shooting the same guy for like 20 no. minutes like you are in a lot and that, of other That impression I think service. probably is a, is a problem that comes from like dropping you into the middle of stuff right. you know, at level 10. Because if you've played it from the beginning, you're clearly going to know how all those things yeah. interact properly. Yeah. Um, and I did discover most of that as we went along. And there might have been, you know, that boss I fought that took forever, maybe there was some combo I needed to use that would soften it up faster, and right. I just didn't know about it. Yeah. That's possible. In, especially because there were so many enemies coming at me that I never really had to, you know, I was basically just like, can I get four shots off in the thing as I'm running for cover through here? Yeah, done. Like, great. So um, so maybe there was a trick to that that I just never discovered because I was too busy running for my life. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I, th I think, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not, like, writing it off at all. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to play it from the beginning. I was um, shocked because, you know, I had not played it, and then it goes through the whole week of people just slagging it. I mean, mm -hmm. everywhere on Sifted, on Twitter, on Facebook, everywhere I went, people were, like, making fun of Anthem. And so when the weekend rolled, I was like, all right, I'll download it. I'm probably going to play it for, like, 20 minutes and not care anymore. Nope. I ended up getting mm -hmm. completely hooked on it and playing it for the rest of the weekend. Well, I mean, that's pretty much what happened to me with the Division One. Yeah. Where I was, I was only vaguely interested, and in it was, it was kind of a thing where it's like, well, it's free, why not? And I just, I played that thing to the end completely, to, to 100%. Everything in the demo you could do in the Division One, I, I did. And like, so I think part of it might just be how saturated are you with this kind of a game? It's possible. Um, if you've played hundreds and hundreds of hours of, of this, these what you're talking about, the boss, yes, yeah. yes, that's it. it. Dude, it Hiding down, down there. Wait for the shield. Jump yeah. back up. Blow stuff up. Hide behind those rocks. Wait for the shield. Jump back up. No, I died like five times when playing with four people. Yeah, like I had to be revived several times. It's hard. Like it, can, yeah, it was not that simple. is a bullet sponge. You can see. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and now of course you know. Imagine playing this, and he's only shooting at me. Yeah. Well, you don't. You also don't have the advantage of, hey, I can go into this dome where I'm protected. Right. Like, if you only have the special abilities that you had, yeah. so yeah, it makes makes a big difference. I would not even think about playing this 
part of this game by myself. Well, I didn't know what I was getting into. Right. And then, right. of course, if you go too far, it says you're leaving the mission. So yeah. I was sort of stuck in this little sphere. I don't know how you beat it. It's patience. 40, 40, minute, 40 <laughs> minutes of repetitive nonsense. Definitely patience. Uh, so anyway, I, I, we don't want to talk about this too much because we did talk about it a ton in last week's episode. I just wanted to give you a different perspective. And ultimately, it was a different demo. Like, BioWare kind of solved a lot of the problems that people were complaining about in just a week's time. So I think that's pretty encouraging that they're able to fix it up as much as they did in just a week's time. Or maybe what they yeah, did well, was... I mean, maybe they just moved the build for right. it because the, the original dem the VIP demo was apparently old. pretty old. Yeah, and they may have. So, Which was but, maybe not the best option. But look, is. if this is what it's playing like now, I am down. I am excited for this game. I don't yeah. care what anybody else says. Well, I, I had a I didn't blast. cancel my pre-order or anything. Yeah, um, I am Even though, thank you for, to all the sifted people that... Uh, the, the sifters who uh, sh like were very explicit in how to do it. So had to cancel your pre They were very interested in helping me get my money back, but I was like, you know what? I got to play it anyway to talk about it on the show. We're, it's fine. Yeah. Um, but I'm not like. That's what's know. great about our community, though. If they find out that we're having a problem with something, they're all over it yeah. trying to help us. I'm not us. over the moon the way you are about it, but like if they fix the performance issues, like I'm halfway there already, frankly. Yeah. So. I, I can't wait to play the full game. I'm really, really excited. So if you've been listening to other people slag it and say it's terrible, it's definitely not terrible. Uh, uh, there is no. no place in this world where this is a terrible video game i'll tell you that much um performance was terrible the weekend i can before. maybe see that I, I didn't play it during that weekend but you can see now it runs great well so. it runs great on ps4 running at 1080p right i'm, I'm curious how this is going to work out for the 4k players that's a good point that is a really good point uh but look if you were excited about this game and in the last week or two you're like oh now i, I wanted this game and i you you should still be interested in it it it's pretty freaking awesome and hopefully you guys had a chance to play it last weekend just like I did. It was an open beta and anyone could give it a go. So I'm hoping a lot of people did and that maybe their fears have been quelled a little bit now. I know mine have. I'm really, really excited for Anthem at this point. So well, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Pennsylvania. My home state. This is uh, more you than me, I think. Well, it's not, though. Well, I've never been to Pennsylvania. Yeah, but this isn't about the state, really. <laughs> um, Pennsylvania, a legislator in Pennsylvania has decided that it would be smart to tax M-rated and adult-rated video games an extra 10%. Now, you guys may remember, about a year ago, there was another fellow in Rhode Island who also thought that was a good idea. Mm -hmm. And try as I might, I researched it, I could not find out whatever happened with that legislation, legislation in Rhode just, Island. I think it just died. I think it just went away. Yeah. Because if you look, all the stories were from last February, and everybody reported on it, mm -hmm. and then there's no other story about it. I think it just went nowhere on the floor. Because at a certain point, you have to bring up the, the fact that it's unconstitutional. Yeah. So, oops. Here we are, 12 it, months it, later in yeah, Pennsylvania. Video games have already been confirmed as protected speech, so you can't do that. It's not, yep. you know, and I mean, I think this is Brown all, versus uh, Entertainment Association. Yeah. Now, I think this is really weird just as someone who grew up in California where we do not have blue laws or dry counties or, uh, you know, things like that, where it's just, you know, where, where you're legislating what you can buy on Sundays. Or like, and that's what I should it, add. Crazy. Pennsylvania. That's crazy to me. Pennsylvania like, is insane like that. It is mm -hmm. a, it's a, they still call it a Puritan state. It's like if that even exists in 2019. Pennsylvania. Up until about a year ago, you could only buy beer and wine at a distributor, and you could only buy cases. So you couldn't go and buy a six-pack of beer 
or a single beer. You had to go to a distributor where you could buy a full case of beer or you could buy a keg. If you wanted liquor or wine, you had to go what, to what is called a state store. Literally a store run by the state that sells liquor. And they were open, like they closed at like six mm-hmm. o'clock on the weekends. They were closed on Sundays. If you wanted a six pack of beer in Pennsylvania up until a year ago, you would have to go to a bar, buy a six pack as carry out, and they would literally charge you $20 for a six pack wow. because it was a monopoly. So what if I wanted a gun? Oh, you can just go <laughs> just to go Walmart, Walmart. <laughs> and just get one. No problem. Yeah, Pennsylvania. Well, well no you can't get the with, beer. No problem with the guns. But in Pennsylvania, that's well, I guess sure. it's like one or the other. <laughs> At least you're not drunk with the gun, right? So this dumbass in the Pennsylvania legislature. <laughs> Is that where there's so much moonshine out there? No, that's West okay. Virginia you're thinking oh, about. Almost, I'm sure there's almost probably, heaven. There's probably moonshine in Pennsylvania too, but... Uh, West Virginia gets the stereotype of, like, the moonshining or whatever. That's right next to it. Yep. So this genius, Christopher B. Quinn, has proposed House Bill 109. And if you'd like, feel free to go on Twitter and have a discussion with Mr. Quinn. I'm not going to tell you what to say, but I'm sure you're you're an adult. You have your own opinions on things. You can articulate yourself. Uh, Go and have a little conversation with Mr. Quinn about his... uh, House Bill 109, where he seeks to extract 10% tax from us for any <laughs> M-rated and or adult-rated video game. As Matt said, this has already been through the courts several times. Yeah, this is a settled issue. Yep. At the federal level. I mean, Brown versus Entertainment Merchants Association mm-hmm. is the Supreme Court case that most people point to. Basically, and what that court case says is that video games are protected under the first and the 14th amendments and they've challenged it like uh the guy who brought this up originally councilman Yee. yeah he, uh, that's one of ours sorry yeah he, from california. california not just california not just california from my county from like, the bay area believe like he, it or not i remember when i was a kid i remember him going around trying to get his sign put in everybody's lawns and my mom would always tell him to get the hell off the property because <laughs> it was just it, so it, he, he was started. always like that he was always trying to ban you know, the, the perceived weird stuff that was, like, causing all... That he didn't get. The, 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 all the youth problems or all the violence. And then he got busted for running guns! Yes, yes. So <laughs> this guy who 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 is protecting us from the crazy, violent video games for that are you, ruining like, our brains and ruining yeah. our society... Like, when you talk about, like, the ridiculous, like, nanny state idea of, like, control the things that have nothing to do with the real problem, I think of Ben Yee. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that, because I grew up there, and he was the one trying to push the... He was the one trying to push... The same thing was in the same era as where Tipper Gore wanted to ban yeah. rap music yep. because that was clearly what the problem was, right. you know? Yeah. <laughs> it was um, the rap music. It's that kind of thing. It's, yeah. that, it's that kind and of... And then thing. he got arrested and put in prison for running guns. Yes. Real guns that fire real bullets. Like, serious guns. Like, it was... You couldn't write... Like, if you wrote it in a screenplay, people would be like, well, no one's going to buy it. No, no one's going to believe that. It's like, come on. You need to you know, change that. That's that's a little on the nose, don't you think? You know? So, look, and then and then uh, Governor Schwarzenegger took it up. Like, once the Supreme Court uh, said that it it was unconstitutional, He Schwarzenegger wouldn't give up. And he took it to court, and that was dragged out in court. And now, oddly enough, Governor Brown's name is on the complaint mm-hmm. because he's the new governor. <laughs> yeah. And like you said, it just died on the floor because people realize it's freaking insane. There are so many le- legal issues with this, not to mention it's unconstitutional. And it doesn't matter. Like, mm-hmm. 
It wouldn't be if, if, it, if video games hadn't already been decided as protected speech. Right. That's the issue. Is like, if it hadn't been ruled that it's art, or you know, not art specifically, it's covered by the same rules as what you would consider art. Um, and that means you basically cannot limit it by putting arbitrary financial barriers in front of it. Um, so this is essentially a non-starter. But it's also sort of a useless gesture because, like, the, the, the tax money from it is was supposed to go to preventing school shootings. Yeah, which is like, which probably means them giving guns to a teacher. Or yeah, something. or like putting this will pay for uh, Mr. Brown's AK-47. Putting security guards somewhere, <laughs> putting more metal detectors at school entrances yeah. because that's a thing that. May, like, wow. I'm fine. Look, I'm fine with them taking money to make students safer. Sure. If but th- it's, this is not the route. Right. If it's yeah. spent, th- but here, what we're what is happening here, Matt, is. That this is a beard. This is, and and by the way, both of these yahoos, both Mr. Quinn and the fellow from Rhode Island, Robert Nardalillo III, are from the GOP. And there's no debate about the fact that the GOP mm-hmm. tries to say that school shootings have nothing to do with guns mm-hmm. and it's the fault of something else. And all this is is a beard by these GOP legislature le- legislators trying to convince people that the problem isn't the fully automatic yeah. guns, it's video games. It's a red herring. And it's funny because, like, back in the 90s, this was what the Democrats were doing. It, it is, you absolutely. Like Dipper Gore, you said. Dipper Gore, yeah. yeah. That, the, the whole spearhead on, like, you know, that and the, and the Mortal Kombat stuff, it was yeah. all... During a liberal liberal administration. It was. And now here, now the roles have flipped for some reason, and now the GOP... Because, well, because no matter because it's the NRA, right. it all goes back to the NRA. Well, because as as usual, it's just being used as as a as a distract. It's it's a tool. Like yeah. it's being it's like, oh, we could blame it on this, and no, who you know, no one in power cares about this because the people making those these laws and making these you know propositions are so old that they don't care about this. So it's not going to affect them. So they just like you know find this you know you slap the stigma on this other thing you don't fully understand, and maybe that buys you some time before you have to deal with the real issue. You want to know what's crazy is how backwards Pennsylvania is. <laughs> it is it is a state with two major cities, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, and then a semi-major city in the center of the state in Harrisburg. And it's like we're living in the colonial days in that state. Mm-hmm. It is so weird how that state is. Like, it, I can't think of any other state that's as conservative as Pennsylvania when it comes to that kind of stuff. Are there other states that have state stores? I've never heard of that. That's, I mean, I don't know much about buying liquor in other states, frankly. Could you imagine having to go no. go to a distributor to get beer and you can only I buy mean, a case or a keg? I was shocked when, after, when the first time I tried to get uh, uh, liquor when I was over I was over 21, but I didn't know that in California the, the liquor stores closed at 2. That well, was news Or to you me. just go to the grocery store. Yeah, but not after 2. Yeah, they do. Well, they don't sell liquor after 2. Yeah, they absolutely do. Oh, yeah. Not, that not, Ralph's right across the street from me. I have gone in there and bought liquor at 4 in the morning. There's a three-hour window where they shut it down. It's from 4 to 7 a.m. 2 is the cutoff legally in California. It's not anymore. No? Uh-uh. Since when? Like two years ago, something like that? Hmm. They passed that club law. You can go to clubs here now and drink till 4 in the morning. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Shows you how often I'm at the club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't go that much anymore either. <laughs> I kind of stand out these days when I'm at the club. So. But the I, anecdote I'm talking about happened in 1997. So yeah, it was yeah. still. Imp- but I didn't know that. And we're like, wait, what? And like, we were, we were all, we were all heart, heartbroken. Yeah. But you know what? They'll still sell you liquor 
even back then, they would sell you liquor at the grocery store right until 2 a.m. Oh, right up to, yeah. I mean, you'd have announced it. 159, you can buy liquor. Sure. Like, in Pennsylvania, that you can't ever buy liquor anywhere but the state store in Pennsylvania, ever. You can go to a bar and pay for a shot or a mixed drink or whatever. You cannot buy a bottle of liquor anywhere but the state store. And that's specific to Pennsylvania? Yeah, beer and wine, just finally, but they're very stingy with it. There's like 300 total license what? to sell beer in the state. Why? Because it, they're Puritan. That's what they say when you ask why. We're but, a Puritan state. But how, in the world, that means. how in the world is there not enough people in Pennsylvania that are like, I want to just go get some beer that they don't vote this into oblivion? Because it never, it never comes up for vote. The state makes all the money off the liquor. Um, okay. <laughs> Think about that. Man, yep. that's weird. It's crazy. So not a big surprise that this is coming from Pennsylvania. I'm surprised that Rhode Island did it first instead of Pennsylvania. Uh, but this fool... So does that make it harder if, like, underage drinking? Is that, like, part of it? Or is that, did you have problems with that when you were a kid? I would say it made underage drinking worse because it became a sacred cow. It's mm. hard to get. Mm. And so you had to have a, an older brother or a dad or get the cool keg parents or whatever to go and get the keg or go and buy the bottle of liquor. It's like, it's the forbidden fruit, which just makes the kids want it even more. Mm. It makes it harder mm -hmm. to get. Um, I would argue that it made underage drinking worse because, believe me, it did not keep it from happening where <laughs> I am from. I can tell you that for sure. Um, so what do you think is going to come out of this? Nothing. Nothing. It's going to get shut down. Yeah. Why do they keep bringing it up? Because it's better than addressing the problem. Right. For them. Or they're in the NRA's pocket and right. it, they have to look like they're trying to do something. Yeah, it's more of a, it's more of a show, I guess, in that regard. It's just like look like you're doing something. Um, both to, you know, the lobbyists you're beholden to and the parents who are yelling at you or your constituents. Yeah. Um, and then you like, well, just, it, I tried and it didn't happen. You know, these violent games are just too hard to beat. <laughs> no, like, you, you know, like, people just love these violent games so much they just can't stop. Yeah, just doom has corrupted society and now your child might die in a shooting. Like, that's, that's what they want you to believe. Think about if that happened, though, if this law passed, how it would affect content. Because suddenly you're going to have publishers creating T-rated games. Because well, if they've created an M-rated game, they lose it's an extra 10% cost to people to buy it. But only in Pennsylvania. Like, um, you might have, like, Pennsylvania versions of games. <laughs> that would be funny. It would yeah. be funny. You know, like, how they had to have, like, the German versions with, like, the green blood and, like, they take right, all the, right. all the yeah, Nazi yeah. stuff out. They have the Pennsylvania version. Like, the and stuff. <laughs> like, be a, the, Pennsylvania, the Pennsylvania version. And, like, then, like, like getting penned would be like slang for like needless needless censorship. Like, like what, what happened to that scene? And I'm like, nah, I got penned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it got penned. <laughs> uh, so yeah, feel I, free. I I wouldn't worry about it though. I don't think this is gonna go anywhere. Yeah, feel free to stop by uh, Mr. Quinn's Twitter and let him know how you feel about his uh, ten percent. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's important to be involved in in. Uh, in the political discourse. Absolutely. He, he doesn't know that it's insane unless you tell him. So, obviously, he doesn't know it's insane unless you tell him. I mean, you'd think he would because most of these guys are lawyers. But, yeah. Uh, eh. But, you know, they never look at data. They don't, they don't look, they, you know, they just, they say, oh, there's one study that says kids may be a little more aggressive after they play a video game. So. Yeah, well, they're also more aggressive after they eat a Hershey bar. But exactly. Yeah. We're let's not getting rid of that, that in Pennsylvania, are we? <laughs> they're definitely not. <laughs> I got married in Hershey. They're definitely not getting rid of chocolate. So just something to keep an eye on. This is the second time this has come around. Um, 
It's going to come around again, I'm sure. Be- yeah. As people look for scapegoats for the, the violence do, problem that we have. Do not start a game dev studio in Pennsylvania, I guess, would be what part of my takeaway. From that this. would never happen anyway. <laughs> I can t- guarantee you that. Uh, but yeah. Not with North Carolina right there. But something to keep an eye on. Um, as this is the second time this has come up in the last year where people have tried to kind of slide this by, but we're not going to let that happen. I'll tell you that right now. So violent. Won't someone think of the demons? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to make you want to go out and kill demons. Makes me want to go play Doom. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Quantic Dream. And if you're a frequent watcher of Game Face, then you just know how much Matt and I love Quantic Dream's games. <laughs> We are the biggest fans. We are Quantic Dreams fanboys. <sighs> the biggest. The best. <laughs> We're actually the opposite. Neither one of us really like Quantic Dreams games, but I think we both. Despite can... all my rage, I am still playing games by David Cage. <laughs> That's pretty good. And I don't know why they keep giving these people money, but. <laughs> but look, neither one of us are really fans of Quantic Dreams games, but I think we both can recognize that they do sell. Way better than we probably anticipate I mean, that yeah, they will. Three million is no nothing to sneeze at for something like Unless that. Unless you're EA. Well, yeah, I mean. <laughs> or Square Enix. Look, EA, what was that, 7.2 million? Well, Square Enix in? wanted 7 million out of, what was it? Oh, Tomb Raider. Oh, and didn't yeah. hit it. Yeah. And Battlefield Five was like they seven point something million is a disappointment. Right. They wanted eleven. Yeah, at a certain point, you're doing it to yourself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't. I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> like. So anyway, Quantic Dream for the last twelve years, ten years, has been making games exclusively for PlayStation platforms. Um. Well, going back, Heavy Rain. When was Heavy Rain? Oh eight. No. Was that that long ago? It was ago? later than that. It was later than that. I think it might have been oh eight. Doesn't sound wrong. Because remember, the PlayStation 3 was like three years old by then. Yeah, I guess that's right. Maybe and like that, going back a little further, you got um, uh, their first one that no one remembers. Uh, um, Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit, yeah. And it was called something. That was multi-platform. Yeah, it was everything. Literally everything. You can get it for... Like you, you. I think when you when you buy a hard drive, you have to delete it from it now. It's just going to... <laughs> giving that game away for a while. Indigo Prophecy was the U.S. Yeah, name. yeah. That, that doesn't even make any, any more Why sense. Why do they call it Fahrenheit in, in Europe when they don't use Fahrenheit? I don't know. Isn't that weird? <laughs> I like that That's game. That's a good point. I actually kind of liked that game until the giant fleas showed up. Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, oh, I don't know, I don't know what you're doing. It was anymore. one of those games that showed promise. You're like, okay, this studio has its thing that it's doing. And I mean, every game they make is that. It's just like, right. yeah. If they never would, get. If this was totally different, it would be great. Yeah, yeah they <laughs> never ascend to the plateau. They never no. reach it, it doesn't seem. The concept is always solid. Yeah. The execution, yeah, it's is a, where the execu- it's at a certain point. I mean, and there are people that argue with us that love Detroit and love everything that they've made, and I respect that. Obviously, everyone has their own taste in games; I, they just don't appeal to me. And but I cannot deny that there is some cachet with Quantic Dream, and yeah. it's made a difference for Sony. There's platforms. clearly a market for for high production value, story driven games. Absolutely, um, and it can be argued that are, there are a few studios that do it better than Quantic Dream. Yeah, I mean, in terms of storytelling, absolutely, but like in terms of like production value, I don't think so. Yeah, like, do I like Life is Strange better than these? Absolutely. Do they look like this? Not even close. Nope. Like it's like, <laughs> like no it, studio has is as advanced technical prowess no no 
that makes whatever, games whatever like you this. think of their storytelling ability uh quantic dream is absolutely the top of the top of the heap when it comes to graphical fidelity and presentation for adventure games for these adventure games yeah things, not yeah. even close yeah they're they're far and away the leaders and even then i mean yes i hate I, detroit was probably my least favorite game of last year but that scene out in the rain in the streets is amazing it's incredible. Like, the visuals yeah. are incredible yep I, and i realize it's sort of like they're not doing a whole lot because it's just they, they know where you can walk and they know exactly where to allocate the power but it still looks great and, it, and yeah. it does it does its job flawlessly in terms of like communicating what you're supposed to be seeing and people may be wondering what the hell we're talking about because i still haven't really said what the topic is and, the, and what we're talking about is the fact that netease has invested in mm -hmm. the studio and with that investment quantic dream has decided to go multi-platform Maybe it wasn't decided by Quantic Dream. Yeah, it may maybe. have been a Netty thing where it's like, look, we'll give you this money, but you got to make games for more everything. than PlayStation platform. And maybe it was like Sony's like, you know what? We did three of these and they sell pretty well, but they don't got a war in Spider-Man. So, yeah, I mean, so. a lot of it depends on how much money Sony was subsidizing them yeah. to build the games. We will never know that. but I would guess a fair amount. And apparently enough that enough Sony did not feel like that it needed to put it on a retainer and hold it as an exclusive because just mm -hmm. just like that, Quantic Dream is making games for every platform. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't blame them. <laughs> they should have been doing <laughs> like, it all along. Yeah, um, especially I mean, like there's no especially reason. Especially games like this. Yeah, this doesn't like really buy you a lot of cachet in terms of like an exclusive for Sony. I wouldn't think. I, I wouldn't think that Quantic Dream games are selling a lot of Playstations for them. No. And it just seems They're like filler games. it feels like it, it, it's a better thing for at least certainly better for Quantic Dream if they've got a wider field to play on. It, again, it depends on how much money Sony was giving them. Yeah. <laughs> but you figure you sell three million copies of any game as long as you're not completely horribly run. Right. You should be making money. Um, and now, though, the chances of selling more than that have skyrocketed. Yeah. And you, if you've got this on Xbox and PC, like that's a, you know, sure. Like it's, it's it's no that's not a bad thing. No, not at all. Do anything. you think it hurts Sony at all? No, not at all. No. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about not at all. I don't think the impact is very big. Mm. But these games have tem tended to be that AAA filler game that comes out between their mm. really big boys, and. Sony's first-party output has been sporadic at best. Yeah, over well, that's the last... a whole, that's a whole different question. Is like what the hell Sony's doing right now? Um, but I just don't, you know, I don't think this is you know, a huge blow to them. It'll still come out on PlayStation. It'll still be there. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of moment, you know, not momentum, but inertia in terms of where people like to play these certain kinds of games. Yeah. And a lot of people will just stick with PlayStation because they've always played these games on PlayStation. So, I mean, that's what I feel. It's like, I don't feel like you're going to split the the sales too much. I feel like you're going to add sale you know I, I wouldn't i would expect the next quantic great quantic dream game to still sell three to four million on the playstation whatever playstation it's on you think so yeah i think it'll still i you mean think it not be an exclusive i don't think there's it not matters. some level of reverie no. for it when no. it's exclusive that makes a, people i, I, I think it's, i think it's more that it's there's fanboys no, like to buy the exclusives man because I think they think if I don't they think, don't that they're gonna go away it's not that many it's not a, an appreciable statistic for that i don't think i think it's more that there's not really anything else like it like, i mean this genre typically is far more popular on pc anyway somewhat because it's like the evolution of the point and click adventure game and that's really it's where the, it's in a lot of ways is the evolution of shenmue yeah there's, there's, I there's guess. some shenmue pedigree in these because um, they don't scratch the same itch as sort of the, the more indie uh, story-driven stuff. I mean, I mean, similar in the sense of like something like Life is Strange or maybe even the Telltale games at a push. 
But then you've got stuff like Thimbleweed Park or that kind of thing, which this, you know, this is the same family, but it doesn't, it's not the same thing. Um, I don't know. I think, I think the production value seems to like boost them because uh, I don't know what else could it could be. <laughs> um, certainly not the freaking gameplay. It's the gameplay. quick time events, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they did get better at that. In the, I mean, you're not, I mean, you are still cleaning a house a fair amount as part of the story, but at least like it's a story motivated you're still using qtes to put a photo down yeah (laughs) i mean i'm not i am not going to defend it but i'm just saying that like the reason you're doing these mundane weird things in detroit at least are part of the thematic and character driven thrust of why what's happening is happening whereas in heavy rain the beginning is you get up and brush your teeth and take a shower because it's like, hey, look at the things we can do. Yeah. And it's like, I remember when we got, a, 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 I was at a party when that, it was before that came up. Was, I was at a party and somebody had a build of it because the parties up there were, it was all game people, game yeah. industry people. And somebody had a build of it and they put it in and a bunch of people got over in like one corner of the room and started to play and started to play it. And like, so then the guy who had the build was playing it. And it, like five minutes in, this girl goes, how is this the only thing that's happened? Like, like he brushed his teeth and like changed his clothes and like, like washed his face and gone out, gotten coffee, gone outside and looked at the sky. And she's like, "What is this? Like, what? Like, <laughs> how is this a game? Like, what is going on?" Yeah. And, like, and it's like, you know, because it's like that part is just sort of like, oh, we're sort of getting used to it and we're just sort of doing mundane things to show you how the gameplay works or whatever. But there's no reason for you to be doing that. And, and people, but if you complain like, oh, I had to like mop the floor in Detroit, you're mopping the floor because you're a household robot. Right. Like at least like, at least that makes sense. There's context. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As opposed to like, we're just gonna we're just gonna follow his day. Well, their QTEs did get he... better because at first you're right. Like in Heavy Rain, they were just QTEs. It's just yeah. like put in these commands in the, the order, wiggle the stick, move mm-hmm. it around. As as their games have gone on and matured, the QTEs actually are related to the actions at least. Yeah, they match the motion a little better. It's right. Like, you're not because so, yeah, Heavy Rain definitely had the thing. Was like, I have no idea what you're going to make me do to make me steer the open car the, or, yeah, or open to, the thing. Open or like, the refrigerator. And I love. I like that they did sort of move away from like I remember Heavy Rain. One of their things was well, the, the harder the decision is, the more wiggly all the text right, will be. Yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. bite me. Like <laughs> it's come like, on. No, the decision like, is the hard part. <laughs> it's like. It's like when you're making a decision in real life, the hard part isn't saying what your decision right. <laughs> is. It's figuring out the decision. Like, yeah, I, I totally hear you. I, look, I do disagree with you a little bit. I think this does impact Sony at least a little on the first party front. I don't think it's going to be extreme, and I don't think this is going to keep anyone from buying a PlayStation 5 by any stretch of the imagination. Um <laughs> But I do think it puts a further... I'm not buying a PlayStation 5 until I see what David Cage does next. <laughs> but I do think it puts further pressure on Sony to be a little bit better about how it's releasing its first-party stuff. Uh, this was a gap filler. This was a, a, a game that would come out whenever Sony was like, well, crap, it looks like we had to delay something again. That's not going to be there anymore. And uh, while Sony's first-party output has been nothing short of incredible... This generation, I think one thing we can all agree on is that the infrequency of those releases and how sporadic those releases are has been a problem. Yeah, well, I think that is a part of a bigger conversation this year, especially because we just don't know what they're doing. At all, yeah. Like, no clue. You know, and we, it sounds like we won't until after, well after E3. Like, 
they're not going to be there. So. They're not going to be there. They're not going <laughs> to. not going to get any clarity. They said they said very clearly we are not activating around the time of E3 or during E3, uh, and they're probably not going to show anything before that because if they were, why not go to E3 right. and show it yeah. again? And so I feel like we're you know we're Q3 or later to find out what the hell they're thinking, and it's like I don't know what. It's unprecedented. It and so is, it's like yeah. it's like are they just going to ride on third I mean you have pointed out in the past that Sony's first party output doesn't tend to be what they hinge their holiday season on. Yeah, never. They never have first party games for Q4. No. Like the closest we got was like Spider-Man which yeah. is September. Yep. Um they stay out of it. So it's you know but it really sounds like you're going to you're going to get days gone and somewhere in their dreams is going to happen. Yeah. And the rest And then what? No like nothing. Clue. Yeah. Like we know nothing about any of this, you know. Day, you know, days gone. Make of it what you will, but it's like it's it's a weird. That's hard. Just that's not going to bolster your whole year's lineup. You wouldn't think. Yeah. You wouldn't think it's not going to sell. Unless it's made a massive turnaround in the last three months. Yeah, the days gone Black Friday bundle is not going to sell like the Spider Man. No, one absolutely not. Um, but you know, you've got Ghost of Tsushima and all these things on deck, and you're like, could those be this year? Yeah. Could they not be? Yeah. Yeah. Probably like, more likely, We don't know. Yeah. Like, it's no way to know. You have, there's yep. rumors that Death Stranding could come out in June. There's rumors that Death Stranding is years away. Like, we don't know. If you're Quantic Dream, do you debut your next game with Sony? No. I think you, you go to Microsoft. Yeah. You got to. You already have that audience. Because Microsoft's got to be sitting there with open you know, oh, yeah. any content. Microsoft yeah. just needs content. I wouldn't be surprised if Microsoft throws money at them to make their games exclusive for Xbox and PC. Microsoft doesn't care What a care twist. About- Think about it, though. Microsoft doesn't care if a game's also on PC. Right. So Microsoft could work out some kind of a deal where it comes to PC and Xbox. You're still getting two platforms instead of one, and they throw a big mm-hmm. chunk of money at you to not have it on PlayStation. Then does that matter? If it doesn't come, if their games don't come out on PlayStation anymore? I mean, it matters in the sense that one more, you know, one more chunk of three million sales, that's a chunk of money that Sony doesn't get. But like, is it a thing that Sony like is gonna like really agonize over at the you know the investor call? No. Well, no. Or they would have kept them, or they would have given them money when they found out, or they would have invested in them instead of NetEase. The the question about the Microsoft thing would be the interesting part to me would be like, okay, if Microsoft wants to do that, does Sony counter that? Right. Does Sony say no? We'd like to have it on our platform too. Yeah. You know, if that's even an option to do. Yeah. Um, you know, but I'm sure with Quantic Dream's relationship to Sony, they would at least say, hey, Microsoft is saying this to us. It's not very often a second-party developer goes third-party. Mm-hmm. Remedy kind of just did that with Control. Yeah. It was making... They kind of just traded places. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> Quantic Dream and I mean, Re- Insomniac and wasn't second-party, but they were perceived as such, and they yeah. did, they, went, they made Sunset Overdrive. Yeah. Um, you know. It's not. It's not crazy. It just doesn't happen very often. No, it's just unusual. Once every few years. And usually. it usually, if I'm being honest, happens with developers with more cachet than these guys. It's true. Um, yeah. But it, to me, part of this feels like a survival tactic. It might be. I mean, it might be one of those things where, like, we can't keep going on like this. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, there's or sale, maybe this, Sony was like, "We're not going on." I like think. This I think anymore. that's more likely yeah. to happen because Sony. I mean, look, the sales aren't bad, but like the amount of time and effort and tech and money that must go into that company to make that stuff that looks like that has got to yeah. be significant. A game that takes like three or four years and sells three million copies. Yeah. You're on, you're on the you're on the line. You're right on the edge there. Yeah. yeah. And maybe Sony was like that's it. Yeah. And going multi-platform could push you past that line. That's true. You know, like it could be a really good thing for Quantic Dream yep. to do. So it could. And I and if I were Quantic Dream, I don't think I would want to go fully exclusive to Microsoft because I'd want to still get the the remnant sales on PlayStation because you have an audience there already. Yeah. You know? Unless Microsoft makes it worth your while. 
Yeah, that and would have it basically be, says we'll pay you whatever you think you would have made. That on would have basis. to be a pretty big worth your while, and I also feel like um, if I'm Microsoft, I don't know if I'm quite willing to go all in on. Particularly after this. Microsoft has just spent tons of money yeah. on acquisitions. Yeah, at that point, why not just buy them? Buy them, yeah. Maybe it happens. Microsoft not is impossible. on a spending yeah. spree, they're man. Not, yeah, yeah, they're I not. I mean, NetEase uh, doesn't own the company. Microsoft could swing in there and buy up enough stock to take control of it. True. So maybe this saga isn't over yet, but at the very least, people on other platforms are finally going to experience David Cage's majesty. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to the pain box. <laughs> Did you oh. know that racism is bad? I wasn't aware I learned of that. that from Detroit. Oh. Become human. Yeah. I'm glad you played it then. Next up, he's going to do a war story in which you learn that in, in wars, people are killed. What? And that's bad. I thought drones were the only thing killed in wars. That's what's going to kill all the people. Oh, okay. <laughs> and in the in the game, and but then the drones are going to be sad, but you'll only be able to tell because the light's different. <laughs> the, but their temple, yeah. Yeah. Now so, I am sad. Yeah, all the drones will have like very expressive faces on them for no reason whatsoever, technologically <laughs> speaking, because there's no there's no reason to make a bipedal house-made <laughs> robot because they'd fall over and it would be better to have them just on. None of that game makes any damn sense. I realize yeah. it's, it's like a Blade Runner. I mean, a lot of games thing. are like that, though. If you really start thinking about them, they just... Well, it's just it's a it's a sci-fi trope that like just you just accept it because otherwise it's not as, as effective a We want robots to look comparison. like yeah. human beings. Yeah, well, there's only really one reason people want robots to look like human beings, and that wasn't what a, a game Sony wanted to make, I don't think. <laughs> maybe that's why Quantic that's, Dream left. <laughs> maybe that's where they're going to PC. You won't be able to buy it for, for cheap in Pennsylvania. Nope, I'll you have to that. pay an extra 10% in Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on to our last topic of episode 156. You guys all knew this was coming. Undoubtedly the biggest story, the biggest game of this week is Respawn's Shadow Drop. <laughs> Apex Legends. Yeah. The worst name. Not a great name, no. but apparently it doesn't matter because they hit 10 million players today. Yeah, it's insane. So it's called Apex Legends, and it's a battle royale shooter. God knows the world needs more of those. Um, with some of its own twists. Mm -hmm. And some of the twists actually make a pretty big difference. Now, you haven't had a chance to play yet. No, I've, I've read a bunch of stuff about it, but I haven't sat down. With I it. spent... I've played a good bit of it. I played pretty much all day yesterday. Um, the first thing I guess I would say is, in this genre, little things mean a lot. So watching the B-roll that we have, you're going to watch, you're going to be like, I don't understand, I don't get what's different. There are little tweaks to the formula, though, that make it, I don't want to say a massive difference, but a pretty big difference. And to me, the biggest among all those is pinging. So once you're in the game, and it starts like every other Battle Royale game, except you're in a squad. So you're in squads of three players. And when you leave the, the drop ship, you leave as a squad, the three of you together. Now, once you're falling, you can break away. You can hit the square button on, on PlayStation, and you can break away from the group and land wherever you want to. But I do not advise doing that, because everybody else is also in a three-man squad. And if you get caught out in the open without your squad, you're toast. You, you have no chance because there's three guys trying to kill just you. So it's very important that you stick with your teammates in this game. 
I'm sure there are crazy quick scoping snipers out there that say, oh, you're full of it, Shane. But trust me, if you're an average player, you're going to need to stick with your team. So back to what I was saying, one of the big innovations in this game is, is pinging. So you can see when you're looking along the ground at a weapon or an ammo or whatever, and like the little icon pops up. Well, what you can do is you can tap R1 while you're looking at something, and it will send a signal out to the rest of your team to tell you that it's there. It makes a world of difference, particularly at the beginning of the game, because as you know, with Battle Royale games, everybody lands and they have no weapons. And then it's a race to run, rummage through all the buildings to Ooh, find yourself boy, a weapon. Boy, is that the Halo Battle Rifle. That's what Look I was that. talking about. Yeah, I mean, that's basically wow. the Halo Battle Rifle. It, <laughs> so the pinging in this game makes a gigantic difference, especially early on or when you run out of ammo because your teammates can tell you where stuff is. You don't have to rummage through it all on your own. And I know it sounds like a very small tweak, and I guess it kind of is, but it changes everything. I mean, we're at the point in this subgenre that, like, the little tweaks are going to be the things that make the difference. Where little things mean a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we're seeing it with, with this game in particular. Um, the other thing I would say is, other than, like, these little tweaks, it is very derivative. It's supposedly set in the Titanfall universe. Mm. But... As like some, it's like some kind of blood sport in, in yeah, universe or something, which is why there's no Titans, which is very disappointing to me. Yeah, it's just set in the Titanfall universe. <laughs> you can't wall run. It's not Weird. actually a Titanfall game. But what I found is that this game takes little bits and pieces from like every other shooter ever. First of all, it plays exactly like Black Ops 4. It has the same mechanics. So you can't run on walls like you can traditionally do in Titanfall, but you can slide. But that's also the way Black Ops was. For a while, Black Ops, you could run on the walls. They took away the wall running, and now you can just slide. And this game plays exactly the same way. The weapons in the game, and I know Titanfall has some great weapons, but almost every weapon that I picked up in this game felt like a weapon from some other shooter that I've played. <laughs> so, for instance, you just saw that, right, that battle rifle. That is just straight up, hey... Are you a Halo fan? Mm -hmm. Here's a gun that looks just like the battle rifle. And I think that's smart. I think it's, if you're starting a new IP, I think it's a good idea to have elements in that IP that other people can relate to and feel comfortable with. Uh, the game is free, completely free. It costs nothing. It follows the League of Legends template for free-to-play games, which in all honesty, Riot figured out a long time ago all these other free-to-play games have come out, and they've all tried to do their own thing and fiddle it around, and then ultimately they all come right back to the League of Legends model. Mm -hmm. And so Respawn was like, you know what? We're just going to use the League of Legends yeah. model from the beginning. If it ain't broke. <laughs> it's like there's a reason that League of Legends has been as popular as it has. So essentially, the only thing that you pay for in this game is cosmetics and new characters, and that's it. And that's the way League of Legends is, and it works. And I'm guessing they'll probably do the same thing with this game that they do with League of Legends and most free-to-play games, and that is when a new character is released, they will make the character OP to get people to pay the money for the character. And then once they've made their money off the character, they'll nerf the character, and he'll be equalized across the rest of the roster. Um, right now, there are only eight characters in the game which seems really anemic when you compare it to a game like Overwatch. And in all honesty, if I had to sum up this game in one sentence, it, I would say Overwatch Battle Royale. Mm -hmm. And I am shocked that Blizzard let Respawn beat them to the punch on this. I cannot believe there is not a Battle Royale mode for Overwatch yet. 
I feel like, well, they're, they're focusing so much on Overwatch League uh, in the first place, but I also feel like, you know, not every engine adapts itself to that kind of gameplay. You know, like, you even saw Call of Duty had some trouble there. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm not I'm really sure, worried I'm sure about the I'm sure they've worked on it, but just, yeah, they respawn beat them. Absolutely. Apparently by uh, co-opting what they'd done on Titanfall 3 so far. So it plays like most hero shooters these days. So you have two abilities, one tag to each shoulder button, and then you have an ultimate that you squeeze both shoulder buttons to pull off. The characters, like I said, there's only eight. Um, I'm not a huge fan of really any of them <laughs> so far. Uh, maybe they'll grow on me after a while, but they're they're not to the quality of Overwatch, I mm-hmm. guess is what I'm saying. A lot of games have tried to do this, and all of them have fallen short yeah, Well, of they also like don't have the variety of crazy costumes. To, I mean, the, the the Overwatch characters are very distinct from a distance and have to be because of how that game plays. This one, not so many. I mean, you, you, you can kind of see some of them on the, on the, you know, from a distance be like, and tell, oh, that's the robot or that's, but it's, or uh, Geronimo's pretty distinctive, I guess. But like, um, for the most part, that doesn't matter that much. You know, it's more like you don't, you don't want to be seen rather than you want to tell who you can see. I mean, I guess it helps to know what kind of abilities might be used against you. I would also but, say the ultimates in this game are pretty dull and boring. Yeah, it's, the, the flashiness is minimal, I think, but that's sort of also part of the, part of the mode. I guess. Um, and that makes me wonder how an Overwatch would maybe work yeah. in Battle Royale. Maybe they have to kind of keep it simple. Uh, the flat as flashy as they as the supers get in this or the ultimates get is there's like an airstrike you can call in. Right. But even that is weird. It's like you have to throw this grenade and you can only throw it like 40 feet. Mm-hmm. And then once you throw the grenade, it takes like literally like a minute and a half for mm-hmm. the airstrike to actually happen. Like I don't know how, how you could kill somebody with it that you're actually fighting. Um, I mean, you I can maybe it, find a position where people are hunkered down. Yeah, or once like the, the, the ring is contracted enough. Yeah, then there's best, no escape, yeah. I guess. And maybe I, I think when you're down to like the last two people, uh, they should get Titan drops. I think that's a great idea. Think, that would be freaking awesome. Like I understand not wanting to bring Titans in because it just like messes with the way everything works. But like giving the last two people the option to like just slug it out with these giant robots and give away their positions or whatever, or try to be more standard sneaky. Um, especially if you give the, give them a way to like you know the, the the Titan rodeo thing, if you could turn that into sort of like a stealth kill sort of thing. Yeah. Like I think there's a way to sort of really pull, you know use the, the universe they've set this in to differentiate it at least in a different you know as moving forward once they get everything sort of locked down. Because I'm guessing they kept Titans out of it because when you're in a Titan you're really tall, which mm-hmm. means you can see over cover, or when you're a Titan you completely give up your position. Right. But I think you're and right. I think there is a way to balance At that. At an end-of-game scenario, yeah. I think you could make something like that work, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I think there is a way to balance that out, but I can see why you wouldn't want to figure that out for launch. Right. Like you, yeah. you keep it more or less simple, keep it what people know, but make it like its own thing, and uh, it worked. Yeah, it like, did who work. Knew? Who knows? So the other, another thing in this game... Radical Heights was not the conventional wisdom we thought it was. <laughs> Another thing that this game does a little differently from other Battle Royale games is when you're downed or you're killed. So once you get shot to a certain extent, you're downed. And once you're downed, and actually this footage is perfect to show this right now. Once you're downed, you're not out. Your teammate can revive you. But the opposing team can kind of take you out of the game by finishing you off. But it's not just as easy as coming up and putting a bullet in their head. Because if you find it while you're playing... There's a shield that you can 
have while you're down that will protect you and keep you from getting finished off by the enemy. Mm -hmm. um, now, if you've downed an enemy and you want to finish them off and they don't have a shield, you can walk up to their down corpse and you can hit square and you'll do a finisher. And that's what you saw a little bit earlier where the guy did like the moonwalk and then did the mm -hmm. kick. That's a finisher. And every character in the game has their own finisher. Some are really simple, like the girl just puts a gun up to your head and pulls a trigger. Obviously, the moonwalk is a little more elaborate than that. But it changes everything. So w once you're down for good, so say somebody finishes you with a gun or with their finishing move, your teammates can come up and there's these little boxes that appear on the ground. And basically, they can pick up your soul on like a little disc. And then you can take it to a spawn point and revive them back there. If they find you before an enemy finishes you off, they can just revive you right on the spot. And it's just a traditional hold square until the meter fills up and you can get up and go on your way. So it's, again, it's little tweaks to things that Respawn has kind of found a better, more intuitive, more well-balanced uh, way of doing it. Now, here's the thing, though. I am not a fan of Battle Royale. You're not either. This game is not going to change your opinion on the genre. Mm -hmm. it, it, it does make significant tweaks. It makes it more user-friendly. But all, not all, but most of the things that annoy people about Battle Royale are still here. Mm -hmm. you're still going to land someplace and go in the house and all you're going to find is a pistol or all you're going to find is a grenade or all you're going to find is ammo and you're going to have to leave and go out into the battlefield without a weapon. I probably 25% of the games I played, I died before ever even finding a gun. It's just the way it is. It's just, it's going to happen. I will say this during the drop in this game, you have much better clarity on where everybody is because not only can you see the people flying down to the ground, they all have smoke trails off of them, colored smoke trails. So it's very easy to just flip the camera around behind you and you can see like the, the heat map, basically, where mm. most people are going to land. And as you're flying down, you can look to your sides and you can see if other squads are landing in your area as well. So that does help a little bit as far as like knowing what's gonna happen when you hit the ground. But once you get there, it's very much the same issues that the genre have overall, which is finding a gun. If you don't find one, you're pretty much a sitting duck and you die right away. Um, playing the game for 20 minutes, never killing anyone and dying and feeling you just completely wasted 20 minutes of your life. Uh, all those elements that some people like about Battle Royale that, but turn me off from Battle Royale are in this game. So it's not like this cure-all. Like if you if you don't like PUBG and you don't like Fortnite and you don't like Blackout and Black Ops 4, I really don't think that this is going to be the game that just changes your mind and all of a sudden you're all over it. I will say this, it's free. Yeah, it's free, so, <laughs> so you give might it as a well whirl. find out. You might as well find out and give it a try. Um, and the microtransactions in the game are reasonable. Uh, paying for characters is kind of expensive. There's already two characters that you can only play as if you buy the characters. Um, and they're steep. I think I calculated it. It seemed like it was like $15 a character or mm. something crazy like that, which is way beyond what you pay in League of Legends for a new character. So maybe over time, they kind of dial that back a little bit. Uh, can, can you earn in-game currency together? Yep, yep, and there are loot boxes. There's a little robot that comes out and throws down plates yeah, on the ground. Saw that. I mean, I'm very, very overwatchy. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, there are loot boxes that you earn on your own. And I played it for couple days and I got tons of loot boxes. It even got like crazy, like ultra rare items. So they're not like stingy with like giving you stuff that actually you want. Chat's saying it's 750 a character. 750? Yeah. I guess my, I guess that explains why, why I'm not a mathematician then. <laughs> 
Yeah, I tried to figure it out looking at this to try to see what, what it costs. And I thought I had figured out that it was like 15 bucks, but I guess I doubled it somewhere along the way. Mm -hmm. um, that's fair, I guess. Seven, seven bucks for a Look character. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, for some people, they're going to get just days and hours and months out of this. It's like, I've never gave a penny to Riot to yeah. play League of and Legends. As long, I mean, as long as you can do it through in-game currency like that you earn by playing the game, even, yep. if, even if it takes a long time. Probably won't take as long as getting Darth Vader at Well, uh, like, at with League of Legends, I've been playing League of Legends for years. And I've never spent a penny on the game. Not, I've never given them my credit card information. I've played it for, like, four or five years. That said, I don't have any skins. I've never paid for a character. All that stuff you have to pay real money for. They never give it to you for free, mm -hmm. ever. Uh, there's two currencies in League of Legends. There's the currency that you pay real money for, and then there's their in-game currency. And the in-game currency pays for crap that you don't even really care about. And, like, one other thing that League of Legends does that I really do hate is you have to pay for loadouts. Mm. So you get one free loadout. And if you want to have anything set up for any of the other champs or any other characters, you have to pay for those. Um, but that does not appear to be the case for Apex Legends. So it looks like it took most of the good stuff from Riot and League of Legends and left some of the stuff that I didn't care for. Uh, I'm seven dollars for a character. I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. That's not you're not getting gouged there. Um, it's about in line. Yeah, and look, the characters that I've played as don't seem underpowered uh, compared to the it's ones about what you're paying for. for, like a Mortal Kombat character. Or yeah, something. yeah. So I, I, I could, I think I can safely say that it's the best battle royale game on the market, but it still hasn't changed my mind on the genre. Mm. Um, it's it's fun at times. Uh, the squad stuff does make it better. I prefer to play with a couple players instead of being by myself. At least you feel like you have a chance as soon as you start. Because even if you can't find a gun, there's two guys that are on your team that can cover your butt maybe while you try to find one. Mm. When you're playing PUBG or whatever by yourself, it's, you know, if you don't find a gun, you're just dead. And I do realize that most Battle Royale games at this point have launched squad-based variants. Um, so it's not something that's unique uh, to Re Respawn's game. But um, I think it just does everything just a little bit better. There's no vehicles. That may rub some people the wrong way. There are vehicles even in Blackout for Call of Duty Black mm -hmm. Ops 4. Uh, there are no vehicles in this at all. It's yet. all on foot yet. And there is, there are times where you're doing a lot of running in this game. Um, but for the most part, it solves some of the problems. I think a lot of people maybe didn't even real, realize that Battle Royale had. And uh, the guns, for the most part, feel good. There's a lot of times where I think I've killed something and I don't. Um, there's a lot of recoil on a lot of the guns. And again, a lot of it is, do you find the gun that fires without jumping up two feet every time mm. or do you not do you end up in a house that has a crappy handgun and like some sniper rifle that you're never going to use i mean there's a lot of random elements to any battle royale game and this game certainly has them as well um but i would say as someone who's not a huge fan of the genre i have found this to probably be the best example of it and it's free it's on every platform it's going to get support. It's already a success. So if you invest money in the stuff, it's not going to go away. I think that's a big part of it, too. A lot of people have probably got burned on these games in the past where they put a bunch of money into it, and then the game just doesn't survive. Wallbreakers mm -hmm. might be a good example of that. Um, but wow, 
How about Respawn just dropping this thing out of nowhere? Yeah. And here's the loot boxes I was talking about. But um, I mentioned it to you like on Friday or something. I think. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's like a rumor going around about this. And it was like, Monday? Come on. Yeah, no way. It didn't make any sense. Especially with like, with Anthem coming up. Yeah. Like it was weird to drop this in the middle of like where you think that EA would want to be building hype for Anthem. And here's this free to play shooter. Well, isn't this like uh, Respawn returning the favor? A little bit. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they're cannibalizing their own product, though, is with Anthem. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's an EA product, both of them. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, they're, It seems like a weird time to put out something you're trying to make into this big phenomenon. It, it is seems to become a phenomenon. This seems like something that gets announced at an E3 press conference, and then they say, and it's available now, and yeah. everybody goes crazy. <laughs> I guess they just needed that fourth quarter bump. Yeah, I guess so. Um, it'll be interesting to see how much money it actually generates. Yeah, that's a, I mean, they got, what, 10 million, 10 million people uh, signed up, and they got uh, a million concurrent right now, or yeah. earlier today they did. Uh, are those people spending money on it? Right. Like, that's the real question. I have so. seen a lot of the paid characters in-game. Mm. So, you know, anecdotally, I've seen a lot of people playing as the characters you have to pay for. Yeah, I mean, just in terms of economy of scale, you would expect a certain percentage to spend that much, and at that level, you're probably making good money. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's nice to see Respawn get something out that, hit yeah you know absolutely I mean, well deserved uh and it sounds like their their uh jedi game is actually might make it coming this, this year, year it looks like november what's up with titanfall though well they were saying like no titanfall 3 and then like later they said that there is another titanfall thing coming this year of some form but who knows what that is mobile game some kind of mobile that's thing. what i'm guessing because vince said this week you know people were just assuming that we were working on titanfall 3 we weren't we were working on this yeah, well, I think this was Titanfall 3. It's possible. And then they punted. It's, it's very possible. When the sales didn't keep rolling in. Well, I don't know about that. I think uh, there was talk of, um, you know, basically they thought that, like, the tech wasn't up to date enough for a Titanfall 3, so they decided to just make this kind of thing out of it. This is the sense. ultimate, by the way, you're seeing right now. This is, that was the, uh, the strike. Like, I feel like Titanfall 3 would make more sense for a next-gen thing. Yeah, but probably so. Who knows, what they, who knows what they got up their sleeve? They got two teams. They got I mean, they they could certainly end up enough like bandwidth a, to make whatever they want. They could point. end up like Epic, where this becomes such a hit. It's all they do. It's all they do. And it takes a village to support a game yeah. that, that scales like that. You need all hands on deck to maximize it. Um, and Respawn's nowhere near as big as Epic. So if this game hits big like Fortnite did... That's a big expansion for them. Yeah. Huge. Like, gigantic. So, we'll see. It's just the first couple days here of this game. Can you imagine how, how, how thrilled would EA be about buying them if, in the same year, they put this out and it hits, and they manage to get a damn Star Wars game out that does well. I know. All in the same calendar year. Yep. They'd never let them make another Titanfall. Yeah. <laughs> I hate to say it, but... It's the truth. I don't think they'd ever let them make another one if that happened. They'd basically be stuck on, at least, the very and least. And it looks like it is going to happen, by yeah, the way. Yeah, it looks like Stig's, I think Stig's team would be stuck on Star Wars duty forever. Forever. Absolutely forever. Yeah. yeah. And then, I mean, the team that Vince is leading up probably would just keep supporting this. this. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, it's just one map right now. The map is gigantic. Gigantic. I'd love to see them. I mean, maybe it would take, like, next-gen hardware for it, but I'd love to see them do... Just for fun, you know, eventually, like, add a map that's just... How many players is this? Is it 60? Mm. How many is it? I don't know. Oh, 60. Yeah, it 60 is 60. people? Yeah. I'd love to see them do it. It's like 60 Titans. 
Oh my god! Just drop sixty titans in <laughs> and see what happens. Well, they can start having fun with this. Like yeah. once once they get it established and they have that steady revenue stream coming in, then they can start experimenting, trying some crazy stuff. I would not be surprised if in two years their ab- titans are absolutely mm-hmm. in this game, or even so- by the end of the year. Because there is a lot you can deal with in the, you know they, the, even in the in Titanfall one like and you saw them expand on it in Titanfall two where like you had all these crazy creatures outside the map and like the yeah. backgrounds and like. There's so much, like, there is a lot of work done into making sort of this Titanfall world something that has some some depth and some stuff out there in terms of what there is to work with visually and what there is to work with as far as, like, alien stuff and monsters. So here's the shield monsters. I was talking and about I'm like, when I'm you're like, down. Playing with that would be very interesting to me and make it more than just, like, another PUBG clone. Yeah. So an auspicious start. Yeah. Certainly. Only a few days on the market. It is doing very well. It shows very well. If I was into this genre, I would probably be playing it right now mm-hmm. um like i said i think it's the best battle royale game on the market and it's pretty crazy for a new challenger to come in and just take the crown after companies like epic have been iterating on fortnite PUBG's been iterated yeah. on for how long now and they still haven't got it to a place where respawn launched its game yeah it just goes to show that you can never get comfortable absolutely anywhere not just in games <laughs> in your life you can never get comfortable you got to keep rolling forward so there you go. Um, am I going to keep playing it? Maybe sparingly mm. here and there. Um, yeah, again, I, I, I enjoyed it more than most Battle Royales, but it's not enough to get me over the top. I, just, I wish we would get a Battle Royale game that's like Battle Royale the movie, where everybody has like a different weapon and mm. like literally just branded Battle Royale on the movie. I would be way more interested in that than what we're Some, getting. Is somewhere out there, there has to be someone who got pitched a, a movie based on a game based on that movie that didn't take it, and yeah. it's just like, ah, like <laughs> literally, it begins the same way. You all run to try to get your mm. weapons, and there's that awkward moment where you're all there, and you're like, I, I would be into that, but it's it's odd that that formula mixed with first person shooters, which I typically love, has not struck a chord with me. It's, I, I don't like the downtime in these games. I don't like feeling like I'm wasting my time ever. And I feel like I waste a lot of my time playing these games. And I think another part of it, too, is that I just suck at them. Well, I think it's a double whammy of, like, partly it's a young person's game in the sense that I would play games a lot more downtime when I was younger. And I didn't, you know, I didn't have that, um, you know, you, you hit that point where you're like, oh, I'm going to die. Yeah. One day. And like, so, you know, I, I don't want to spend 20 minutes doing nothing in a video <laughs> game for no payoff. When you're 18, you're like, I got 18, my whole like, life. Oh, oh, it's endless time. It's just nothing but time. Summer lasts forever. It does change um, your perspective. And then sure. the other uh, part of it is, of course, that um, it's really it's a really good thing for streaming because there's so much downtime. Yeah, it gives you tons, you of, tons of time to interact with your audience. Yep, absolutely. So. Yep. So there you go. We'll probably talk about it again as time goes on, but uh, Matt, maybe you'll give it a spin here. I'll try. I mean, I have it installed. I just haven't gotten to it. Yeah. All right. It's time for our trailer of the week. We had a request for the trailer of the week this week, and I'm unfortunately, I'm sorry I let you down. Somebody recommended that we run the uh, extended version of the accessibility controller commercial that mm. ran during the Super Bowl. Um, that probably would have been a better bet. We, did, we generally don't want to make people cry when they watch Game Face. <laughs> and that, that commercial was kind of a tearjerker. So we Only went, cry and rage yeah. watching Game Face. <laughs> so we went with something a little more higher energy, a little more upbeat. And we chose a brand new trailer for Far Cry New Dawn. And it is the semi-launch trailer CG-ish thing mm-hmm. that Ubisoft seems to put out before they put out the real launch trailer. Let's roll it.
girls. Didn't your daddy tell you not to come to places like this? Nah, my daddy didn't talk much. Especially not since we shot him down. Pre-order to get that unicorn trike. You know, you yeah. want that. <laughs> I don't know what they're drinking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the grim darkness of the sunny dealist future. There is only purple stuff, apparently. <laughs> and all the other, actually, the other drinks are like neon green. And so I guess they're supposed to be radioactive drinks. In the, oh, it could the, be. The, the yeah, post-nuclear post future yeah. thing. Uh, that game, you know, it comes out in like a week. Yeah. Like, we, we've been trying to get review code. Like, no one seems to be able to get a hold of the game for hmm. review. It's a little weird. Just a heads up there, people. Uh, let's see. we got some questions. Uh, before we get into the questions, actually, uh, there is a private beta going on this weekend. Actually, it started this morning or late last night, depending on where you live, for The Division 2. I am in the beta. I know there's a couple other sisters who are in the beta. And we do have a couple extra codes if any of you are interested. However, the stipulation is that if you want one of the codes, you have to play with us on Saturday. We are going to get together and stream a session. And we'll record it, obviously, and post the uh, archive for our patrons and folks on Sifted. Uh, but if you get a code, you have to commit to play with us on Saturday during a live stream that will be recorded and uploaded for everybody to watch. So if you're into it, uh, you can at me on the site, at Shane. You can send me a direct message there. Um, I think that's probably the best way. Or you can leave a comment underneath uh, this episode down below, and we'll take care of people on a first-come, first-served basis. So let's get to some questions. Uh, w. Matthew, always the first one in. 
What do you two think of Microsoft spending over $5 million to run an ad for the adaptive controller on, during the Super Bowl? The exact trailer I was just talking mm -hmm. about. Um, cool. I think it's great. Like, you got to get the word out that that thing exists. Yeah. And no better way to do that than to run an ad on the most watched thing I can only on television. imagine how many families were sitting watching the game that saw that commercial for the first time and were like, oh my gosh. Yeah, because you can't, like, expect, like parents taking care of disabled children to automatically follow game news to the point that they know that exists. And I mean, even for people who follow game news, people who go to Sifted every day, some of them still didn't know that that existed. Mm. I mean, it's like they put out a trailer for it and there were a couple stories written about it, but then it just went away. Um, so yeah, it was, so I think it was incredibly smart for Microsoft to do that. Not only because it will sell more controllers because it will get exposure to the people who need those controllers, but also what people are talking, the goodwill that's engendered by mm -hmm. that. Uh, they ran those commercials all through the holidays. And even my mom was like, oh, like when mm. we were watching it in her living room. Um, and I think it, Microsoft needs good PR whenever it can get it. Yeah. And I think something like this gives it that, plus just does something great for, for people. Um, so yeah, I think it's a win-win. Uh, spending the money to advertise in the Super Bowl, again, a win-win. Um, I don't yeah. see any way. It's not like Microsoft's going to miss it. I mean, what's the alternative? Running a Crackdown 3 commercial? Right. Like, yeah, I think they made the right choice. Uh, let's see. Oh, J. Reed Vic. I had a pretty solid experience with the Division 2 private beta this evening. That's good to hear. Um, despite not being able to get into the first game, suspect the lack of, win of winter on the overall aesthetic has made the game more appealing to look at and play. Has something aesthetic like weather or art design ever colored your opinion of a game or series? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, I certainly got tired of looking at snow in Division 1. Yeah, for sure. That's, That's a good that, analogy for him to bring yeah. up. Yeah. Um, I'm sure. I mean, I didn't buy Nidhogg 2 because the art style repulses me. Does it is that, really that, that bad. It is that does bad. Does that count? <laughs> um, it does. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it does. Um, I don't think the Division 2 looks that... I mean, it does look more appealing in the sense that it has colors in it. Yeah. <laughs> so, where, like, just the, the gray and white of the first game just got a little constant. Yeah. Um, I think Fortnite is a perfect example yeah. of that, though. I think that's a big reason why Fortnite has become so much bigger than all these other Battle Royale games. It looks different. Yeah, it's fun it, to look at. It's friendlier. Parents feel okay watching their kids play it because it's kind of cartoony. Uh, I think that has had a massive impact on the success of Fortnite. Mm -hmm. And I can go back, like, I think a lot of it, some, sometimes it's a, it's a contradiction of tones. So uh, look at a game like Conker's Bad Fur Day. Cute, cuddly, dayglow, color palette, but adult. And I think sometimes when you have those contrasts in one product, it can make for some really unique experiences. Yeah. Uh, in the negative sense, um, like... I can't stand looking at Crash Bandicoot or any of the other characters. And so even if they made a good game with him in it, I would never touch it because I don't, <laughs> I don't want to look at him. It is, it is an ugly character. Um, Majora Tom 91 given that it seems like backwards compatibility will be a preeminent feature for both next-gen systems, if recent patents or anything to go by, how do you think this impacts the market for remakes and remasters on consoles? I gotta dip deeper into the back catalog. Yeah, I just think it makes them legitimate now. It's yeah. like, 
They can't just like up res a game from three years ago and make money off of it again because you'll just be able to play it and it'll look better. So I think it makes the publishers have to show up and actually put some effort into this stuff. Yeah, I think if I think if anything, you're looking at uh, if you want to see what the trend of remake remaster looks like for the next generation, look at Resident Evil Two. Yeah, that's what you're going to have to be doing. You're going to have to be taking games old from back in the day and bringing them to bringing them to to to, to today. Yeah, um, I think that's that's the mode you're going to have to go to because upresing like a quick remaster just isn't going to make any sense at this point unless you're digging for stuff from the 360 PS3 period. Well, I'm sure you saw that they just announced uh, Assassin's Creed 3 remastered this week. Oh, no, I knew about that oh. a long time ago. Oh, that, really? That's a pre-order bonus with uh, Odyssey. Oh, it is? Yeah, that and a, that's a HD remaster of Liberation. Oh, I that didn't was, know that. It's part of, this, or part of, the, pre, or part of the, the season pass, rather. Oh, okay. Um, well, I guess they're selling it separately now. Yeah, they are selling it separately. Well, it's still not out, so it comes out next month. Right. But, like, that was known that, like, that was part of the season pass. I know time. some people thought that a Switch version may be coming, because it already is released for Wii U, but it's mm-hmm. not. There's no Switch version of it. Not yet. Yeah. We'll maybe see. eventually. I mean, it seems like, uh, yeah, Ubisoft is caught up to that part of the franchise in terms of milking the remake. You know, they already did the Ezio, Ezio collection and all that, so... Rogue remastered that was yeah. just uh, just on sale on the Xbox. Um, we'll get there. I think in general it just increases the barrier of entry to do remasters. That you can't yeah. just do quick and dirty like some of the stuff that we've been seeing over the last few years. You can't do. You won't be able to do that anymore. Yeah. It's gonna have to be like PS2, PS3 era at the newest. Mm-hmm. And even then, and PS3 you're probably stuff. and you're probably gonna have to like build them from the ground up again. You're gonna have yeah. to, you're gonna have to Spyro or Crash Bandicoot them basically. Yep. Remake them from the ground up, even if you're just duplicating stuff, which I'm fine with. That's you. That's that's my preferred method, frankly. Yeah. Or the Shadow of the Colossus. It method. certainly works out a lot better for the quality. Yeah. Um, Congrim One GameStop Germany is offering Fallout 76 free when you buy a used PS4 controller. Really? I didn't see that. Yeah, there. <laughs> some places in Europe are really trying to get rid of that. Wow. Game. Does the retailer have to eat all that cost from the publisher for the copies, or do you know if there is an insurance contingency uh, or insurance contingencies? Mm. Pactor has answered this before, and I cannot remember what his answer was. Uh, if I remember, I don't know about Pactor's answer, but if I remember from my retail days, and I don't know if it's the same in Germany, but in this case, yes, they would be eating the cost of that because the way they'd get the contingency back is they'd return the product. Right. And if they're giving the product away as part of a promotion, that's their choice to do with this product they already paid the wholesale price for. They're probably figuring the profit margin on a used PS4 controller. They probably mm-hmm. pay five bucks for it and then sell it for 30 yeah, and or they more. Can, they can just get rid of this thing that's not moving, apparently. Right. Uh, Kill two birds with one stone, pretty much. basically. Yeah. Uh, Vincent, what's up, brother? Um, how big or long is EA's E3 press conference going to be? Need for Speed, Plants vs. Zombies, Jedi, all the sports games, updates for Battle- Battlefield 5, Anthem, Apex Legends, probably an indie. What gets the most time? I just got my press invite for E3 today, by the way. Mm. Holy crap. I was like, what? Really? You're sending them out the first week of February now? That's crazy. Uh, let's see. EA will not focus on the stuff you want to see, mm-hmm. and it will focus on the stuff that you don't want to see. Yeah, so I, I'm guessing the most time will be dedicated to something that you did not even list. Yeah, some new <laughs> thing. They'll have a new update and 
like Final Four of the Command and Conquer mobile game. Right. <laughs> um, That'll make people happy. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they'll want to show Fallen Jedi, but I bet because of how tight Lucasfilm is with the rollout of things like that, you're going to see like a clip of it. Yeah. And make it a release date. Yeah. Um, I have a, a sinking feeling that there's going to be a lot of Plants vs. Zombies, which I don't care about, but they like to focus on because it sells well. Yeah. Um, it's a wide audience. And, um, there'll, there'll be the usual, you know, 10-minute stretch of FIFA and Madden. I don't know. Probably the same hour as usual. Yeah. It'll be an hour, like it always is. Like it has been since the beginning of time. But the thing that gets the most time will be, if it's not FIFA, it'll be something we don't know about yet. Yeah. Or or maybe maybe updates to Anthem just as a, in an attempt to... Give it a shot in the arm to some degree. Well, it's going to be Jedi Fallen Order, I think, is what's going to be shown the most. I just said, I don't think that will. Because really? Luke, like I said, Lucasfilm controls that. And they may or may not decide to let you just see in a little snippet of it, and that'll be that. I mean, if it would be wiser to blow it out, but I, in terms of the license, I don't think that's EA's call. Mm. That would be a huge mistake. I agree, but that doesn't mean it ain't what's going to happen, because trust me, uh, it's, hard. it's the same thing where, like, why did they only get to mention the title last year? Because they weren't cleared to show it. Yeah. It would be smart to show more, especially when you're in the run-up to an actual movie that's going to come out alongside. I have a uh, feeling that might tip the scale. You hope. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd like to see that A get... new hope. Yeah. Well, <laughs> spark of hope, maybe. <laughs> I'd like to see that get blown out. Uh, you know, and like, hey, look, another freaking Star Wars game. We didn't forget to make one. And like, yeah. something. But like, who knows? Like, you never know what... Lucasfilm's going to let you do. Based upon what Disney said this week, it sounds like they're just like, whatever, we'll just let EA do it. Yeah, we don't care. It doesn't care. sound like they're all that aggro about what's going on. No, I mean, I think that's that story's being reported a little weird where they say like, because EA never says they're happy. Right. They just say they have a good relationship. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Which is very... Different. Very PR <laughs> speak. Um, and I, was, I did feel sorry for um, uh, Warren Spector. Because they said, like, you know, Disney's like, we're, we've never been good at making games. And Spe- Warren Spector was like, hey. Hey. Like, I worked with you guys. Yeah. And I, I mean, I loved Epic Mickey, the first Epic Mickey. I know it was yeah. one of the few. But well, no, like, I think most people liked it. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was great. At least it was unique and they tried something different, which most games don't anymore. Uh, let's see. Here's one from, I believe, the Abram. It's light green on white, so I can't particularly read it. Are you surprised with Smash selling 12 million units worldwide in just one month? Kind of insane. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I had high expectations for it, but it, it definitely smashed those expectations. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was so well, but that is much bigger than Smash has ever sold before. It's not even close. Yeah, it's yeah. just destroyed every other Smash Brothers. Yeah, I am surprised. Absolutely. Especially on a, you know, it does go to show just the attach rate on the system, whereas, like, you know, it, it's Brawl was on a system with a vastly larger install base, and yep. it didn't sell even close to that. It's so. just weird. A Why hung- is that? Well, part of it's because there's a hunger for AAA <laughs> games on that AAA. system. Now I do the same thing yeah. every time I hear it. I hear Chip Sterling. <laughs> I mean, what else? What else are you gonna buy on a Switch in the yeah. last half of 2018 if yeah. you aren't into Pokemon, especially? Yeah. There's nothing else. I'm still shocked. That's a that's a ton. And it does help that Smash Brothers kind of, especially because they included everything. You aren't missing anything. Yeah, yeah. So if you if you ever liked anything that was in Smash Brothers, and frankly, if you ever liked anything Nintendo, there's something in there for you. Yeah. So especially with the with nothing else on the market right then, what else are you gonna buy? Twelve million is a so lot. It's either that or a indie game you played three years ago. So yeah. I know which way I'm going. Or Fantasy Star, which I did buy. Here's a good one, but it may take us until tomorrow to answer it. 
uh, from Walking Dragoon. What can Japanese developers learn from Western developers to make their games more accessible and vice versa? Well, I don't think Western developers can learn anything from the Japanese developers to make their <laughs> games more accessible. More accessible? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. The thing the that Japanese it, can learn how to make a tutorial. Tutorials would help. Good tutorials. Um, the Japanese, like we were talking about with Ace Combat, terrible. Yeah. Kingdom Hearts even 3, though, terrible. Even though Ace Combat's been very good at it in the past. I don't know what yeah. happened with Ace Combat 7. Yeah, it took a step back. It's um, weird. One of my big things, I think, is like putting a little more attention into the environment and how things interact in the environment. Like One of the things that annoys me in Japanese games that use sort of an open world or an open area thing... Final Fantasy XV, Near uh, uh, Automata, like that kind of thing, is items in the world are like just little glowing points of light. And it's like, just model the frickin' object, please. Like, like it just, it's so, it makes me feel like a mouse in a maze. Like, yeah. it feels like, it feels like very artificial and very, like, lacking in immersion, which is weird for, you know, the games that, like, work so hard to build these worlds and this lore. And it's like, just if I'm going to find like a pine cone or something, put a pine cone on the ground. Right. Like, like what yeah. do you make it glow so I see it if you want? But like in those games, it's, there's nothing there. It's just, it's a, just a, an avatar. It's just a light. Yeah. And like, That's all it is. It's weird to me that that is, you know, and, and you say what you will about Skyrim, but at least every freaking cheese wheel is actually a cheese, a cheese wheel. wheel. Yeah. So that would be my main thing I've noticed in terms, at least in terms of production value and sort of presentation. To Kingdom Hearts 3's credit, everything is actually there. It's, it's marked, but like the thing you're picking up for ingredients or whatever is actually there in the environment. Yeah, yeah, it is. But that would be like my biggest like kind of pet peeve. Oh, wait, ever. no, it has avatars. Because hmm? you have those white boxes that you whack and then the actual ingredients fly out of it. Yeah, but at least like there's a th like a bowl of fruit there or something, yeah. and like you hit it, and, and sometimes the thing that comes out has nothing to do with what yeah, was in the yeah. picture. But at least there was an object there, Instead and not just, just not just a orb. white dot, you know. Yeah, this uh, for me it doesn't have to do really with accessibility, but I think one thing that Japanese developers could learn from Western developers that would make their games better is learning how to work with dynamic audio. So Kingdom Hearts three has amazing music in it, but the way it's implemented into the game is from, like, 1985. Like, the, the music in Japanese games never... Kojima's games do, but most Japanese games do not. The music never swells and cascades with the action. They have a song, and then they, pl and they play the song. And whatever happens on screen, that song never changes. And they also can never figure out how to get out of music in Japanese games. What they end up doing is just slowly dissolving it out. And I just think audio work in general is way better in Western games. Again, Kingdom Hearts 3. I cannot tell you how many cinemas I watched where there is nothing but the voiceover. There's no ambient sound effects, so there's no birds or wind or the sound of them walking. It literally is just dead silence and the voice track. And so just in general, to me, the audio in Japanese games is just way below what Western developers are doing now. I mean, I would even take just, just intelligently placing the music in games over what Japanese developers are doing right now, which is basically just play the song, let it run through, and then we'll awkwardly dissolve it out whenever we don't need it anymore. Um, I would say Nintendo does that It well does. Too. Yep, it does. I mean, it's Nintendo's games... Do, they do have dynamic music. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've had it for, like, since the N64, and that was one of the advantages of the N64, yeah, well, is that it was MIDI, so you could solo instruments in and mm -hmm. out. You're actually, like, playing the songs live yeah. on the hardware. Yeah, and that was Factor Five and Rare were the ones that really pioneered the... You know, I remember yep. when Banjo-Kazooie Banjo 
Kazooie came out, one of the big things was like that the music, you know, you had all those variants on that main theme that played different ways. It would start with just the were. tuba, yeah. and then it would bring in a flute, and then it would bring in some mm-hmm. string, like, yeah, and it would build as the action on screen built. And Japanese games still don't do that. It's crazy, mm-hmm. but they don't. And I think that is, to me, is the most glaring deficiency of Japanese software right now. Audio. And we can go on and on about mm-hmm. the voice acting and all the other parts of it, but the music especially, as someone who loves music, uh, it's a big sore spot for me. It's just really weird and awkward. And the silent cutscenes in Kingdom Hearts 3 just make those weird scenes with Square Enix characters even more off-putting. And it's not hard to fix. They can do it. Um, Mike's Q. If you were to pick the characters of two actors against each other in any type of video game, what game would it be and what two actors? <laughs> like just actors? Yeah. I'd put John Wick and Neo in Mortal Kombat. So Keanu, so Re- Keanu Reeves that... against Keanu Reeves. <laughs> That's, that could work in Mortal Kombat, for sure. Um, what about, like, well, I don't know. I think he's probably asking for, like, hey, what are your dream celebrity deathmatch? Mm. Remember that show that used to be on MTV? The Claymation yeah. show where they pit celebrities against each other? And haven't they already kind of satisfied all those fantasies at this Some point? I agree. I think no matter what, Johnny Depp would be one of them because I think Johnny Depp needs to get his ass kicked. <laughs> he, I think yeah. he's reached the point in his life where he needs to get his ass kicked. Yeah. He's just lost it. He's been... That's somewhere other than the box office. Right. He's drifted out. Uh, that's a good one. He's drifted out so far at this point that the only thing that's going to bring him back is a good ass kicking. <laughs> and so no matter who the two actors are, he has to be one of them. Hmm. So who would I want to see kick Johnny Depp's ass? Anyone. <laughs> I'm going to go with Chris Evans. Yeah, that'd be a good one. I'd like to see Chris Evans set Johnny Depp straight. Because before it even started, Johnny Depp would realize he had no chance. He'd just start driveling and just mm-hmm. praying and, and begging for... He's just drinking a $7,000 bottle right. of wine. <laughs> and then just throw it on the ground. Yep. <laughs> that guy's lost his mind. Okay, we'll answer a couple more. We're answering more tonight because uh, the show is... We haven't hit our usual uh, spot. Um... The one, Gio, what game do you simply don't get why people like it? I think I just explained that. PUBG, Fortnite, yeah. any Battle Royale stuff for me. Uh, for me, it's Monster Hunter World. Like, not even that, that I, I mean, I understand why people like it. It just does nothing for me. It just absolutely leaves me ice cold. Even, I mean, I've, I'm considering booting it up to play the Geralt stuff that's happening this week. But, like, even then, like, I really don't like those games. Uh, jmurf93 thank you for subscribing with Twitch Prime man we really appreciate it in fact maybe for future episodes when we do Game Face I, I really feel bad that a lot of you guys are giving us bits and subscribing while we're doing this show and Matt was kind of talking earlier about how Battle Royale games are great because it gives you a, a de- some downtime to interact with the viewers and we don't really get that on here so the show always finishes and then I go home and I open up the iPad when I get home and I look at like all the people that have subscribed or giving us bits and I feel terrible. So uh, maybe for the folks who show up every week, maybe when you subscribe from now on, you can wait till the end. So Matt and I, while we're doing Q&A, we can see that you subscribed and we can give you credit for it. I think that might be a, a good way to go about it. But anyway, thanks, jmurf93. We really appreciate it. Um, uh, Killzone 310, the little alligator shirt has returned. <laughs> uh, somebody was asking me, they're like, what happened to all your Lacoste shirts? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Like... I just stopped wearing them for whatever reason. 
Uh, Are they not Izod anymore? No, they haven't been for a long time. I don't pay attention to the... Here's was a, here's that one. There was La Tigra. Yeah, was, yeah. Uh, La Tigra is like the Polo. knockoff. Yeah. Uh, when I worked at GT, I was actually sponsored by Lacoste. Hmm. Yeah. Like uh, a guy I played hockey with who also happened to be a gamer, he showed up to the game one day and he's like, bro, you, you like work on GT? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, I work in for Lacoste for marketing. And he's like, you want to be sponsored? And I was like, sure. And he's like, okay, all you have to do is wear the shirts on the show and we'll just keep sending them to you. And so I got this gigantic, like, hmm. wardrobe of Lacoste. Um, and I haven't worn them because I used to wear them a long time ago. But, yeah, you're right. I decided to break one out tonight. Uh, one more question. Uh, the Switch box has popped up at some retailers. It'll probably be announced during the next Direct. What does that mean, the Switch box? I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about, Vincent. What are you talking about, Vincent? Uh, let's see if we have one more. Okay, uh, Cody S. Carter. Now that you have played a number of games that you drafted in the SFL, which do you think was your best pick and which do you regret drafting? Mm, I don't know. I have a feeling I'm going to regret Metro Exodus. I think you might, yeah. You don't ever know, but yeah. you might. I don't, I don't think... It, I haven't really played any of the games that I drafted. You got Anthem. Anthem and Kingdom Hearts. And Kingdom Hearts. And, yeah. I don't know. Felt pretty good about Kingdom Hearts. I still, I still in it's the what, end... It's like a nine, basically, somewhere around there? Something like that. Yeah. I still feel like in the end I'm going to... Uh, Resident Evil 2 is going to end up being the better pick than Anthem. What's RE2 sitting at now? Uh, 90s somewhere. I think low 90s. Yeah. It'll, uh, it'll simmer down to around a nine, I guess, when it's all said and done. Uh, okay. That's it for Game Face episode 156. Once again... If you're watching on YouTube, do us a solid. Subscribe via Twitch Prime. All those directions are down below. It literally takes like a minute the first time you do it and five seconds every time after that. But you do have to do it every month. Uh, we really appreciate it. And we'd appreciate it even more if 91. you would contribute. What is it? 91. 91. Yeah, it's almost down to nine, like I said. <laughs> and we would appreciate it even more if you went to patreon.com sifted and pledged some money to our Patreon. It would be great. Um, We've been losing tons of patrons to protest. There's a lot of people who are very angry over Patreon's practices. Apparently, Patreon has thrown some people off the mm -hmm. service. Well, and some had, people are unhappy about that. Yeah, and they also didn't have a, uh, a good week where they noted that they want to uh, keep expanding stuff and that the, the business model isn't sustainable, which is nonsense because... How's it not sustainable? It's not sustainable because uh, the tech sector uh, demands infinite growth. And so... the But they're not the, public yet. The, the, they have venture capital people, though. Oh. And they, they demand infinite growth. They want growth, growth, growth. Or they, why are they investing in it? And the problem is that Patreon should be, I mean, they made $55 million in, in net revenue over the last five years, which should be fine. Like, the, the brilliance of Patreon and uh, Folding Ideas went over this in a thread on Twitter as well, but, like, Patreon doesn't get more expensive to run the more people you Never. have on it. No. It's not like YouTube where, like, you got a guy who's, like, making five videos That's a day for said. ten viewers. And yeah. it's like, the, the, you don't need, you know, YouTube, hundreds more people Google is it. paying yeah. all the serving costs for your you website. You don't need to run, you don't need to hire a hundred more people to handle a thousand more Patreons. It doesn't matter. They should be making money hand over fist. Well, but the, the, Once I, you build your site and it works. But they make what they make and that's not enough for the, the venture capital investors. So they're like hiring more people to like 
build new features for the site that probably nobody cares about, but that at least it shows that they're doing something. It's, it's, uh, it's the fallacy of infinite growth that like has kind of sprung up around tech stuff, probably in response to how Apple just oh, never Apple slow down. Oh, Apple is brutal the way people treat Apple. It's and now, like Apple needs to be have a, a genius product mm. every quarter or sell the stock. So, it's like more. Meanwhile, they have more cash than God. It's like it so makes the no Patreon, sense. So the the worry about Patreon this this week has been from a lot of very high profile people on like top earners on Patreon has been like this. It's you know it's years out, a couple of years out, but like you're probably looking at a time where like the VCs pull out and Patreon collapses, and then how do you make your money? So there's been a lot of talk of sort of like forming a more uh, a less centralized equivalent uh, of that. So. We'll see what Patreon kind of ends up being over the next couple of years because it should just be a business that does the thing and makes this much money and makes this and is what you expect X and that's it. And that's how it works. If you can't make money with Patreon, you probably shouldn't be running well, also, a like, business. Think, so think about what Patreon does and how it works. Think about how, how many employees do you think it would take? Oh, a couple hundred probably. It's 300 employees. Yeah. Um, that's a lot for what Patreon does. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, you need a lot of like kind of. I will say this: their customer like, service is pretty good. Yeah, but one of the reasons they they have so many is because they have people working on sort of like what could only be described as vanity projects of quote improvements and new services for the the website that make the VC people happy because oh. they otherwise they don't think they're doing anything. You know, they, you have to be expanding. You have to be you know tackling a new thing. You have to be you know making your your website more indispensable to the people who use it. They, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't surprise me to see them try to start some new kind of streaming thing on on there. It's just never it's never never ever going to go anywhere. But it's like it's the look busy of the VC world. I'll tell you what they should do. Patreon is make it a legitimate content website. They have content is king, and I'm actually giving this away. Like Patreon should pay me to freaking do this, but. They should turn it into a content website. Content is king. You have all this content coming into your machine and you're doing nothing with it. Like you have this little bloggy thing where you feature like two creators mm. a week. It's like, no, you should have a freaking homepage that filters in all the content from the Patreon creators. It, make, it will make money for you. You can serve ads against it. It will get more people to pledge to more Patreons. It would get people like us in front of the eyeball. So have a Patreon gaming. And on the Patreon gaming hub, you have all the Patreon channels with their hot stuff that just came out that day. You have an awesome website just like that. Or they could do what the most, they could add the most requested feature of both Patreon, Patreons and patrons. Yeah. Which is a one-time donation button. Yep. Like absolutely. Basically just got buy a beer button. Yeah. And like, they don't. I don't know why they won't do it. It is killing us, though. The people leaving Patreon because of the protests is, is killing us. And the people are in the comments are like, I don't want to stop giving you money. But Patreon did this thing that I don't agree with, and so I'm not going to give them any money. But you're not hurting Patreon. That's just a drop in the bucket to Patreon. You're hurting the creators. The, to us, losing a patron who gives us 20 bucks a month or whatever, that makes a difference. It may not matter for easy allies or kind of funny because they're making more money than they can count. But for people like us, it makes a big freaking difference, man. And there's no alternative. There's no place for us to go. So as a customer, you say, I'm unhappy with, not you, but I'm unhappy with the service that your, your content is on. We don't have a choice. We tried to do it the other way, people. I built a website and spent my own money to build a website to do it. And none of you cared. None of you came. So we had to go to Patreon, 
we finally connect. You guys meet us. You like our content. It's, it's going. We're doing it. It's happening. And then somebody gets kicked. I don't even know who it was. Somebody gets kicked off Patreon. All of a sudden, everyone's like, screw Patreon. We have no place else to go. So, yeah, like you were saying, like people looking two years down. I'm looking like one month down the road. Like we're losing. Mm-hmm. We lost like 30 patrons last month because there were people like, I can't give Patreon my money anymore. Like, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Maybe the answer is building our own Patreon. Mm-hmm. Well, that seems to be what a lot of the top level YouTube people seem to be settling on. But that is an ongoing discussion, yeah. obviously. Maybe I should uh, look at Sifted and look into like syndicating people's content. Mm-hmm. It's all there. <laughs> we could build it in. We could literally do it. Yeah. I mean, most of it is like... I've seen, most of the, the talk I've seen is kind of from like political and uh, and movie YouTube. Like they're, they're kind of that's where like your high level people are. It was just, I'm gonna talk about people that pull in like five figures a month right. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, like it's being it's you know this week it was for the first time really widely acknowledged as like an upcoming problem. So we'll see what kind of the community solution. Uh, is I mean, I'll this. be honest. Patreon has done nothing for us. Nothing. Mm-hmm. They've never promoted us in any way, shape, or form, despite me being in meetings with them on multiple occasions where they promised that they were going to, and they're going to follow up, and they're going to write a feature about it, and they just never did. Like, in a lot of ways, Patreon is kind of turning into an MCN, mm-hmm. isn't it? A little bit, yeah. It, the, 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 the feeling is not dissimilar. Yeah. I, w- I will say this. So I just got our tax forms for last year. And when they told me how much we had made, my eyeballs almost shot out of my head. So I was like, what? We never made that. And then I realized that figure is before they took their money. I looked at that number and I was like, what? We didn't even make close to that. And then I realized, oh, that's before you took your cut for doing nothing but building a website. Hmm. That's all they did. They built a website and they get a cut of everybody's money. So... Maybe we should build a website that takes a cut of everyone's money, and maybe we should undercut them. We can be the epic game store. The epic game store. Of crowdfunding content (laughs) websites. (laughs) Anyway, we're we're flying off the rails here. But thank you guys for hanging out on the stream. Thanks to all the YouTube people. Thanks for the people who just hang out on Twitch and watch us there. We appreciate every single one of you. Game faces up and out. (laughs) 